Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hope I'm just going to squeeze right past you right there. And uh, welcome to the OFT Podcast. Uh, i got Jude Seymour over there in upstate New York. And uh, up in the Mitten State, I've got Brendan McAlendon. Fellas, uh, have you ever seen a suicide squeeze as a walk-off? Oh, yeah, sure you betcha. Ooh, Arby's. It's a, it was a crazy day in uh, Major League Baseball. Hey. Are, are you... No Are you need practicing to get, your. No uh, need to get snippy with me, Mister Lundergaard. Ain't get snippy. You practicing we our, trip to Mackinac? We doing our, our Fargo? I uh, a little bit. The Tigers. Uh, oh, by the way, this is Joshua Vol, site manager, Emperor Supreme <laughs> Warlord, and <laughs> defender of the faith over at on the SB Nation Network. Uh, no, I was just a, I was in marvel of uh, the Detroit Tigers Instagram post uh, today. Was the. Uh, the caption, oh, I'm just going to squeeze right past you right here on a just a gorgeous uh, suicide squeeze walk off to win it in the 10th inning over the Strohs. Uh, it was just a, it was a really nice combination. And for Tiger fans, Brennan and I, who have been struggling, obviously I didn't see it live because Major League Baseball hates their fans. Uh, but uh, those are just a fun little thing. He, he bunted the wrong direction. I mean, you really kind of want that going down the first baseline, but uh Okay. <laughs> so no, so no, I was feeling a little Midwesterny uh, when I read that post. Well, we're gonna find out. Some I think some of our listeners don't like uh, the intros sometimes, so that might have been an unfortunate accident. 
Uh, so yeah, so welcome to this OFD podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been a couple weeks since uh, the three of us to combined have been on the on a show. So uh, tonight we are going to start our own little investigation uh, with all of us here. We got some questions, so we're doing kind of a uh, reverse mailbag, if you will. Um, and uh, I don't know. This will probably be the last. Or second to last uh, show before we really start uh, diving deep into the 2021 season coming up. Uh, I'm not sure how that's all going to get a go. You know, we'll start dipping into two podcasts a week once the season starts, but maybe even like the week leading up, uh, you know, we'll do some fun stuff. So let's get right on in it, boys. Uh, you guys know the drill. I feel like I, I feel stupid right now. I mean, I feel, I feel very dumb. I just I can't speak, which is not a good thing when you're running a a podcast. They tell me uh, is to, is to have a kind of a chopped up thought. I have lost my mind lately. I I dove into the pool uh, yesterday with my earbuds and earbud case in my pocket, and I just I keep leaving things around. The, I mean, I have been just completely absent-minded for like the last few days, just fucking lost. And I don't know if it's because I've, this is this whole weekend. I've had nothing to do, like literally nothing to do. We didn't leave the house. We didn't go anywhere. We just kind of hunt out. And I didn't really have a whole lot of stuff to do outside. Friday was buckets of rain. And I've just felt like, I don't know. I don't know. The old age is catching up. Uh, but, God, this is gonna be this is gonna be a bad podcast. I felt like I, I couldn't drink enough water this weekend. I was just drinking so much water. I mean, obviously alcohol too, but like just so much water, and I just could not drink enough water to keep water in my system. It was just hot as hell out there, and I did a lot of outside work too. So very, very muggy, very muggy. Yeah, yeah, very muggy. It's like eighty nine. Uh, disc golfing. It's, it's, it's like, like breathing through cheesecloth. So when you see the Pacific Northwest has like got 112 oh degrees take coming up, I, holy shit! I feel for our friends out in the Portland area. Yeah, and we have a few. I mean, yeah. they're like, and I know air conditioning isn't a huge thing out that way. So, oh man, I, I that's good. That's rough. That's gonna be rough. Uh, <laughs> when I was as we're heading up to Mackinac this week or this week, and I checked out the weather. Uh, it'd be the five days we're going to be in there. The hottest day is going to be 71. So, uh, just, that's just a, a look at that and see that, like how hot it's going to be out West. It's like, holy shit. They're going to roast. So good luck to them, man. Stay cool. Uh, you know what else is cool? Reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. All the reviews that you leave <clears throat> will be read on the next OFD podcast. Brennan, we really do appreciate a certain type of review, don't we? Well, we used to appreciate Julian Love five stars, but I believe we retired that moniker and have thusly moved on to the Jeremiah Wusakor Moa five star. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, although, I mean, any five star will do just as long as it isn't a gunner five star. I mean, I think <laughs> we're good on that. Uh, but uh, so I got one here. And his name's from uh, Johnny number five, 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 five. 
25 alive. Uh, and he gives us four stars. Sorry, okay. it's not a five star. Great podcast. I'll start with the pros. One, I love how they're not afraid to tell it like it is, and they won't soften their language or dance around any certain subjects. That alone makes them worth an indie fan's time. I actually enjoy some of the meta conversations where they talk about the other indie football podcasts. LOL. <laughs> Number two, they don't they don't just have some arbitrary time slot they'll force themselves into. They'll spend more than enough time on a subject if they deem it necessary. Some say, this is me, some say maybe too much. <laughs> <clears throat> Number three, they push out a lot of content, which fills in the dead space during the week a lot better than a one-hour trickle once a week. Well, that's great. Uh, now we get to the cons. One, look, I love last podcast on the left, but sometimes you guys seem to be trying too hard for that humor. Just be yourselves. You're funny enough without try-hard caricatures and accents that feel especially unnecessary. I don't. I don't I've never heard of Last Podcast on the Left. What, what, what's the deal? Is it a comedy thing? It's a comedy true crime podcast. It's very famous. Oh, okay. It's very good. That sounds like a, and, something I've listened to, but I don't listen to it. And, it's, and it really is one of my favorites. And although I can see what he's saying, I mean, I just don't throw in a whole bunch of that. The on intro, intro now and then. Yeah. And occasionally even at that. Uh, but okay. <clears throat> okay. All right. Um, we're funny enough, I guess. Uh, number two. <laughs> Oh, Edi- <laughs> editing is not great. I do love how you guys aren't afraid to push out a three to four hour podcast, but some episodes, it feels like one and a half hours of actual content and a whole lot of other stuff that should be edited out. I wind up just skipping around a lot of my own, and I suspect I'm sometimes throwing out the baby with the bathwater. But can't we stick to ND football or at least college football topics more often? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 85 scholarship players, roughly, on the team and a whole lot of other teams and players to discuss. All said and done, it's a good podcast that's brimming with potential. T- tonight, we're going to do an hour on Kofi Wardlow. Hi, man. So the, I mean, there, there are I'm 85 gosh. players on the team. I don't think all 85 are worth talking about, but I mean, well, it's tough at this point, right? Because yes, well, Kofi's in Charlotte. Is, so well, well, that's yeah, probably yeah. Hard, tough for tough to drop. But <laughs> the other part is with that is in June. To be fair to us, um, it would just seem redundant if we kept going over the same things over and over again. I mean, we crushed all of that at least the players that were on the roster we crushed that in january february march as season recap stuff and leading up to it i mean yeah, we did a pretty spring, good yeah. spring we did a pretty good spring too but this is the the deadest of the dead period i mean we are in a boat on a in the middle of the ocean and it is a sheet of glass i mean there is no wind and but it's it's yeah. going to be picking up soon but so I'll say this. So noted uh, on the first on the first con. Okay, uh, I I am not everybody's taste, and I am kind of all over the map. But I am who I am. Uh, so <laughs> uh, sorry, and also not sorry. Uh, and then, but that same sentiment goes for number two because we've only built ourselves as the guys hanging out talking about Notre Dame football. 
you know, if you're, t- if you're hanging out with a couple buddies or, you know, your dad, your uncle, you're not just talking about, you're not breaking down one guy for 45 minutes of the roster. You're kind of all over the fucking map. And then the wife comes in and yells at you for taking too much time out in the garage. And, you know, then you're talking about something else for a few minutes. I mean, this, this podcast goes three hours because of that. Uh, I'm not going to spend three hours on profiles. Jude will jump out of a window. <laughs> um, but so I'm sorry that that isn't what your thing is, but that's what we've all, that's what we've always been. I mean, we've, we've probably have cranked it to 11 more certainly in the off season. Uh, but, and I thought about that the other day, I think like during the season, you know, you're not going to see like three hour pods when we start going back to two pods a week, you know, we do, you know, game review, game, game previews. And those are a little more contained, but for right now, man, you just, you got my and Brendan's and Jude's and sometimes Greg, our own personal, uh, Jay Leno, uh, you got our beautiful voices to just like kick back on the boat and, uh, enjoy. So I'm, I'm, Thank you for your review. Thank you for the criticism. That it, uh, it's it broke a streak. It's always it's always good. I mean, it was we'll better than a two star, right? We'll take that four star. And hey, by hey, the time chip, we graduate, our blue chip ratio, our own blue chip ratio is pretty good. Uh, so you know we could you could take a four star. I'll, I'll take that and in uh, into consideration. But by the time by the time that four star graduates, it'll be a five star. We'll get five. We'll get five star production out of it. That's a, that's a top five pick. <clears throat> um, all right, moving on to the to the second and the last one tonight. Uh, this run five stars from ACB seventy seven. Great ND podcast. Love your podcast. Been listening for years as I am a diehard ND fan and a third generation ND grad. Love the rapport you all have and the fan perspective on things. A few thoughts. One, I listen at two times speed, so I can. <laughs> <laughs> get through the episodes in a good time frame. I got to do that. I really got to hear us at two times speed just to like, I listened, I, like. I listened to the, um, uh, the playoff announcement off the rails podcast at, uh, 1.5 speed when I was in uh target. Cause I had to get it in before not, we had not. a, you sounded great at 1.5 speed. It was, it was great. <laughs> I, I think I talk fast enough and uh, mush mouth enough where I think one and a half would just kill me. So that, that, that that's good to know. Um, uh, let's see here. Number two, my fave shirts on home field, the Marquette light blue, Indiana little 500 black Missouri tigers, light blue SMU. Oh, that is a nice one. Dark green, Vermont, Auburn, Weagle. Uh, and yeah, yeah, those are all, those are all. That's excellent. a lot of favorites. A lot of favorites. Hey, there's a lot of good shirts on home field. They're solid, solid. Uh, I have been, I've been repping them for the last few days. Uh, I know Vandy's going to have to play the, the uh, villain role because uh, everything went down with NC state. But uh, uh, I put out the Vandy pick last night on Twitter. <laughs> so uh, I just, I'm, I'm going to have a, a Unnatural hatred for Mississippi State right now. Unnatural. Uh, number three, I think Clark Lee will be at Vandy for a minimum of seven years. 
He's not oh. going anywhere else, anywhere else anytime soon. I think I I agree with that. No, I, I mean, I just Vandy won't keep him for seven years. He'll either be I good enough to move on from Vandy or he'll be so terrible they'll have to fire him. I don't know. I don't know if they're in the market to fire him. I think he'll be just good enough to stay there. And if he's just good enough to stay there, uh, I don't know if he can parlay that into a bigger job. I don't. But I mean, this is Clark Lee. What kind of odds would you need to take to take a bet on that? Because I I would love some action on will Clark Lee be there in 2028. So here, I mean, my only thing is Clark Lee is not James Franklin. He's a different cat. Yeah. This is his alma mater. And I really honestly believe the only job that he'd leave Vandy for, if he's there for seven years, he's probably getting Vandy to a couple bowl games. You know what I mean? And so they're they're doing they're doing okay for Vandy. They're building the program up. I mean, I could see him being like Vandy's Frank Beamer in a way. Maybe not as successful, you know, in the long, long run of it. But I I can I can see I mean I see I think seven years. He might right. end up with as many national titles as Frank Beamer, if, though. I don't think. Do you think the, it's possible he could have as many national titles as Frank Beamer? Yeah, very possible. Um, I don't think Clark Lee is going to be Notre Dame's next head football coach, which is a which is a big shocker if we said that like two years ago because everyone was so sold on it. Uh, now everyone's sold that Marcus Freeman without coaching a single game in Notre Dame, uh, should be the next coach. Uh, but I, I just don't think that's going to be <clears throat> as much of a thing after Kelly leaves. Because I doubt Jack Swarbrick's there, so there's not going to have that. I mean, maybe Jack's there. I don't know. I, I don't I don't believe do you, so. But Do you credit that to more, say, that Notre Dame's kind of got a taste for that sweet recruiting life again, and they don't yeah. want to go back? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's going to be even more important in the transfer portal age to knock it out of the fucking park recruiting because every year now, and you know, we, I, I was talking about this with Greg today. Like anyone that's telling you that Notre Dame's class is going to be like 23 players. What? It's going to be over 25, the 21, 2021 class. I don't care about numbers. I, I think that they're going to be smart enough to realize that between natural attrition that happens and the transfer portal, which is going to be, which only Huge. multiply, yeah, it adds more, yeah. that you're going to be able to get, to bring more in. And, and especially with, you know, I mean, Notre Dame could get, could, could get fucking 30 guys in this class if they wanted to. <laughs> I mean, they really, I mean, they're sitting right now. This is a class where there's a lot of options out there for them. Uh, but I just, I mean, I, I think this is a 27 man class at, at least just in going through it. And that's leaving out a lot of that's being a good class. And I'll be probably doing a story on it probably tomorrow or Monday or Tuesday sometime, but we're looking at a class. that's going to be a likely a top five. If you get that 27, and there's a lot of big names that we would like in this class that wouldn't be aren't going to be in that 27 either. So, so anyways, uh, I, yes, Notre Dame is going to need that recruiting life, that re, that prowess on the trail, <clears throat> a lot more. And Clark Lee just great. That coach. wasn't his thing. Was, yeah, that wasn't his thing. This wasn't his thing. I'm not going to knock him because I love him. 
Uh, but uh, going out there and, and, and really hitting home with the elite recruits just wasn't his thing. Uh, four, Kelly has earned the right to go out when he wants, and I will be thrilled with someone like Marcus Freeman as the next head coach <laughs> as he just uh, gets how to relate to players and recruit high school high-level prospects. And his defenses have been pretty good, too. Well, we will we'll see how his defense works at Notre Dame. I mean, that, yeah. that's great. And, like, nobody's watched more Cincinnati football from the Notre, Notre Dame side of things than Brendan and I. Uh, so that's, that's great. His defense was great at Cincinnati. We'll see how that all works out at Notre Dame. Uh, he's he's got some good players. He's got some he's got some holes. So we'll see how he takes care of all that. So uh, five 2021 ND record prediction record prediction is eleven and one. Think that is the floor, and you won't be able to talk me off of that. Oh, and we beat Wisconsin by at least two TDs. Okay, well, thanks for that review. I I mean, can we segue into can we t- segue into talking about the tweet, the tweet poll posted by Rakes and Mal the other other day about ten? Would you just take ten and two? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll jump on that line. If you're yeah. throwing that vine out there, I'll jump on that. Yeah, please. Uh, let's. I, I mean, I, I okay, Brennan, take it away because I got I got thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, my the initial no, was when I first teed off. Yeah, yeah. teed up first. Oh so sure. The other, so the so Rakes, other day, go ahead, Jude. Okay, I apologize. Uh, so I'm going to botch this, but Rick's had a, a post the other day that just basically said, if you it, you could take ten or two right now, or just roll the dice and let it just let the season play out as a, as it would. Would you take ten and two, or would you let the season play out? If if it's at this very moment you could lock in a ten and two record, would you do it? And no beat, yes, basically fifty three forty seven. So I guess my premise or I guess my the first thing I always think of when these particular questions come up, like, would you take 10 and two or would you just take double digit wins indefinitely? Uh, I always say no. And we have a very good example of that. And that's 2019. That was a 10 and two season, right? Mm-hmm. How did you get the two? So it's fine to, from the vacuum of the summer, to sit back and say, yeah, I'll take two losses. No, I don't want to. I don't want any losses. And I'm not rolling, like, if Notre Dame goes 9-3 and three or 10-2, and two, I mean, whatever. Am I more excited about 2017 or am I more excited about 2019? Do I have more positive thoughts about 17 than I do 19? I don't think so. I think I mean, they're about the same. So to Chris's credit, he did set the line brilliantly because if he'd written 12 and 0, then obviously everyone would have taken it. Um, yeah. 11 and well, 1, yeah. I think still would have been lopsided and nine and three would have been lopsided in the opposite direction. Right. So the 10 and right. two was, was the right number to stake this on. Yeah. But, um, what the fuck fun is that? <laughs> you know, like let the season play out. And if it's, if it's three losses and I could have had 10 and two, they're like, okay, well, shit that happens all the time when you bet on stocks and they don't perform like the way that you, you know what I mean? Like we just bet on a lot of things like shit I mean, happens, but it's, but it's the fun of finding out, not the whole, like, well, we're going for 10 and two. Now I just got to figure out which two games we're going to lose, you know? Yeah, and to Brennan's point, that's the point. It's like, show me the two. I was going to say to Brennan's point, losing against Toledo is a, is a much bigger deal than losing against 
I don't know, Wisconsin, USC, North Carolina. Sort of, you know. Do you, do you want to lose to USC? Mm. Like if, if Notre Dame goes 10 and two and you lose to USC in North Carolina, how do you feel about 2021? Cause I feel pretty shitty cause you lost your biggest rival and you lost to North Carolina. Like yeah. two teams on the roster and I can spin how it was pretty miserable year. I, I, uh, I asked a poll question about this a couple of years ago where I basically said, given these only these choices, would you rather the Irish go 10 and two and beat USC or lose to USC and finish 11 and one? And it sixty eight percent, and again, it was only twenty eight votes. So take it for what it's worth. But because yeah. that was years ago, the two thousand sixteen actually, which was pretty funny. Sixty eight percent said finish eleven one and lose USC. Thirty two percent said finish ten and two and beat USC. I just, I don't know how you could look at Notre Dame's schedule and even start being that defeated in Waving June. the flag, yeah. To, yeah, to, to wave your flag for – like this isn't post-2016. You asked me this after 2016, would you take a 10-2 season? Absolutely. Fucking feed, feed me it. So Absolutely. I'm just lo- – I'm looking here. Somebody jumped in my mentions here called the at the Subway Domer, and he said 10-2 and two beating your last opponent, a good one on the road, will trump 11-1 and one and losing that last game in the committee's eyes. And then I said, unless you lost to Nevada and Army, and then you said, well then, at least you beat SC. <laughs> True. True. Spoken like a man who loves a good trophy. I absolutely. I st- he stands behind that. So. Hey, you beat, you beat SC. I, I just this whole like locking in a ten and two season and somehow thinking like okay, you know I'm look. I guess maybe ask the question a different way, which is I mean, didn't you didn't you schedule ten wins as it is? I mean, yeah. the, look at the goddamn schedule, and there's ten fucking wins on there anyways. So if you have two losses, you fucked up bad. I mean, we 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 talk about this all the time, right? Which is like, if at the end of the season they're ten and two, what did, what did you feel about the season? And the the answer is always to answer a question with a question, which is like, tell me the two teams I lost to, and I'll tell you how I felt about the season, right? Right. Because right. A, a close loss to and and I mean is different, right? I mean, football is not football isn't a, a there there are so many factors that go into each week. So, you know, we could be sitting here in December on a 10 and two record in December and be like, you know what? That was a good season. And because of a hundred other things that happened that we don't, that we don't know about right now. You know what I mean? Like there could be injuries. There could be maybe, maybe Wisconsin Wisconsin rolls their season and they win the big 10 and they're fucking undefeated. And you lost to them by, you know, a field goal at fucking soldier field. You know, maybe that's one of the law. You know, I mean, there's, there's sure. all sorts of factors. Obviously it's not what you want, but I think because, because there's so many different factors involved. I think when you look back in December, you can say, Oh, you know, okay. That was, that was still a good season, but in June looking ahead, I ain't fucking looking at two losses. No, I'm the guy I'm the, I'm the shirtless asshole running drunk through the streets, screaming about 12 and Oh, because why the hell not? You should. And we are past, we are past all that bullshit. At least it's a rinky dink. It's a rinky dink is what it is too. And, and it's sort of, it's like, this is something that, you know, middling ACC team says like, Hey, pit fans, would you take 10 and two? Or would you like to roll the they dice take, and see if you can do better? Eight, four. 
Well, they, the administration does. That's why they keep Marduzzi on the payroll. But <laughs> Iowa State takes that too. That's why they have Coach Osico on the payroll. But not and, – and it's important to point out that, like like we've said, not every 10 and 2 season is the same because what are – there's people who think 2015 was one of the best Notre Dame teams in however long it's been. That's a 10 and 2 team, right? Now, what's better, that team that went 10 and 2 or 2019 went 10 and 2? I mean that one loss in Ann Arbor was the coffin. Because, I mean, the loss against Georgia was – that was a super Except, respectable loss. It was it was acceptable. A team that played for what a title? Or no 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 yeah, that I was mean, uh, the, that was seventeen. Yeah, 17. seventeen. But I mean, it was acceptable. I mean, it was that on was the team. road it, in Athens. If you watch that game, you they saw how played. fucking nuts that stadium was, and you had the ball. You had the ball driving down the field in the last minutes, uh, you know, to take care of it. And it didn't happen. It's disappointing. That sucks, but you were in that game. That wasn't a, a Bama blowout. Uh, and then you go up to Ann Arbor to a fucking far inferior team to yourself and to Georgia. And you just lay an egg before all sorts of fucking reasons that we're never going to get to the absolute bottom of. No. And that, that was unacceptable. And not only that, but the media wouldn't let it go. You get on a roll, you have a rough game against Vatek, but you win it, and then you just start thumping teams, and nobody let that shit go. You stayed ranked 16th for six fucking weeks. I mean, it's just it was the most depressing thing to see the rankings come out after you're just drop you're dropping teams. It's like what the fuck. So that was a yeah that that one game made that whole season disappointing. Even if Notre Dame beats Georgia that year, that egg loss, Michigan, that was the egg loss up in Ann Arbor was sealed the deal. Yeah. Never Uh, willingly take a loss. Never willingly sign up for a loss is I think the lesson here. And again, Mm -hmm. we're not coming off of 2016. We're not coming off of 2013 or 14. I mean, I'm just, it's it, we're in a whole different era of Notre Dame football right now. We really are. I mean, it's just, it's, this is different and older fans will love to point out that this isn't anything like Colts's late eighties and early nineties teams and young fans. don't really have nothing to really point to. Uh, so, but let me tell you, this is a different era of Notre Dame football right now. It's a, it's a different level and I'm excited about the season. I mean, I know we said we're going to start dialing in on the season, uh, you know, here in a couple of weeks, but shit, man, I am really excited about this season. I think there is way more potential here for a strong run than what many people are giving them credit for. And this is still a team that's going to be probably ranked inside the top 10 to start the season. And I still think there's more potential there than what they're getting credit for. They're not going to see them. Uh, maybe they're probably not. Uh, we don't know. Bad. Well, here's the thing. We don't know what Bama <laughs> just, is. But you know what? We could beat a Clemson team with uh, Uyangalale at quarterback. We've already proved that. that. Kyra Williams is still on this team. Last I checked, and I don't know if you saw that 
photo he put out of uh, oh my god did yeah put it out or did they put it out his legs I mean I haven't seen legs like that from a college football player since Saquon Barkley he's jacked <clears throat> like he has to special he I I'm not uh, I don't know if he can buy regular pants anymore. <laughs> Like it's like Pat McAfee where he can only wear like shorts because there's nothing that can contain his massive tree trunks. Kyron Williams has some legs and I'm very excited to see how that translates. I think that's a pants industry problem. Like I kind of <laughs> have bird legs. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I'm a big guy, but I have very toned, but skinny legs. Like, I mean, they're toned. There's definition there. They're not like, they're not like sticks, but like, I have a problem getting in some pants like, holy shit. Like if I don't have like these, you know, thunder thighs and, you know, muscular thunder thighs and, and all that, how the fuck are they, these guys fitting in anything? Like, I don't get it. I think there's a, there's a problem in the pants industry. Somebody's going to have a stern talking to with big pants. They should have a stern talking to. I posted a picture of Michael Mayer earlier tonight that I'm just like, Jesus, this like, it's not even fair. If you're a, you know, if you're a student at her name, just walk up to Michael Mayer. Um, walk up to Michael Mayer, Audric Estime, Jordan Botello. Isaiah Pryor. You see him in the background of a photo they put out, too? Yeah. Yeah. Bayless, sick. The Bayless system is very much legit. And Bayless hasn't even really got a hold of Estime yet. Holy no. shit. <laughs> no, no, he hasn't. That'll be, that'll be fun to watch him break him down and put him back together. Because... Uh, <sighs> Oof. that i mean i'm not even sure what tangent we're going on here but <laughs> do i need do i need a do i need a rant another five minute rant about audrick estime and holy shit oh my god i mean sebo flemister i like him man he runs hard but there is nothing that as as far as the game plan goes with Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, that's set. And then you have the carries that Sebo would get. There's nothing there that I don't think Estime can't take and do better with. He just he's just bigger. He's bigger. He's fast. He's big. He look. I mean, he just he look. I I can't wait to see what the hell comes out of the field. And I'm also interested. While we're in off-topic shit here, <laughs> so you, usually by this time of the year, we have all of our freshman jersey numbers locked in. Like we know it. There's a story, and honestly, um, R.I.P. to Lusimoji. He's he's usually the one that's right right on top of this because he has his numbers articles ready to go. And so, and sadly, who has left the world? And so they're like, they're, <laughs> Lou must have had more interest in it than the rest of the NDB uh, and some bloggers. But there's a few guys we still don't know about, but there is the mystery number right now of mystery of number 20. And so obviously Sebo Flemisher is number 20. Choo-choo. And there's talks about JoJo Johnson maybe being a wide receiver, but JoJo's at 20. And Justin Walters was early and really freshman in the in the spring, was 20 in the spring. But we're assuming that he's taken 22, uh, which was his high school number for the fall. I don't know. I'm just it, it just got me thinking like 
I, I, I mean, I really hate like throwing shade on a player, but do do we really need Sibo carrying the ball? Um, well, that's what he would do, right? And, that, and I think that's your point for Estime is it's not like Sibo's out there pass blocking because he's in there in mop-up time. Uh, he's not catching the ball. What does he have, three career catches? So, I mean, he he's ta- you're taking scrap carries, and I think Estime would be I, – I don't know. I don't know. Do you? I think I do know. I think I do know the answer. I'm just, I'm curious to know if that's what's, if that's also going to be Lance Taylor's answer and Tommy Reese's answer. I mean, Sebo's got dependent. Has Sebo ever fumbled? Oh, yeah. Knocking on wood? Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> that fumble at the freaking I, one yard line? That the no, that, that never happened. Yeah. Uh, that was a, yeah, that no, was a it definitely down. did happen. Uh, in a, it was a hotly t- contested game. Um, obviously, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, the one weird thing is because it scraps and is at the end of the game. Um, there's that trust factor of giving it to the veteran, but I don't think he was, I don't know. I mean, trust and factor Kelly's, at the end of the game. Kelly's I, I, also shown that he's not afraid to, play two players with the same number at the same time oh, hit 2012 <laughs> but at Jackson and Chris Brown right <laughs> I, I will speaking of speaking of numbers though I will and speaking of number two I was disappointed that estimated to take the open number two because basically every created player on NCAA uh, football <laughs> the video game that I ever made Looked just like Estime, but with number two. So you should have taken uh, it, it was 49. All, it was all there for me. 49. You should have taken okay. 49. That's an uh, 47 is probably an uglier number. 49 is, I think, the highest number you can take as a uh, as a running back. It's a fullback right. number. Right. I, I will. In high school, we did have a fullback that wore number ninety. That was pretty dope. I don't understand why fact, you, you wouldn't take a forty number if you're an offensive player. Like, make your own damn number, right? I, I guess I don't understand the. I mean, guys get attached to a number, you know, in high school, and then they, hell, earlier than that, and then it just goes from there. But it was like when LeBron I, James changed his number, right? Or he went in when he came in with twenty three, and it's like, why don't you make your own damn number and not not use somebody else's? That's I, I guess I don't. What number did oh, LeBron I mean, wear in high school? Right, twenty three. Okay, but you get, but he, I mean, he did it to pay, you know, homage but to. He didn't, but he didn't come in as a in Michael's prime. You know what I mean? So like, this is after, so he's. He's making it his own, his his way. Speaking of numbers, Jude, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, do you think that this is, I know this is stupid, but it, Kelly just absolutely like fucked up that whole number one situation, right? Well, and so, and so now, now he's like in a stupid spot. Like he never cared about the number one before you know, the passing to Greg Bryant and then they were going to, they use that. And then it's 16. And then the fucking season was a disaster. If the season wasn't a disaster. That, that shit isn't the way it is. 
And I think you, I think I was asking you because I believe you pointed out something that people forget. Yeah. And that so t- two about things. The single digits. Before 2016 season, he said the num- the number one. Um, well, he was not committed about the number one, but he said the single digits were going to be a merit-based system. And I called BS immediately on it. And I, I kind of like got over my skis to the point where like Eric Hansen, like I wrote Eric Hansen an email from the South Bend Tribune. Eric was just like, basically like, calm down. <laughs> and I was just like, which is hard to hear. Cause I love Eric, you know, but Eric was just like, I think you're overthinking this or whatever. And I was just, I just said, this doesn't make any sense. And, and Brian Kelly was, it was one of those, um, Kelly cares summer, you know, summer press conference things or whatever. And everyone kind of seized on it because it was really the only thing that there was right. to talk about. They live um, for that fucking golf outing. And and, um, and Kelly had basically said that he got into kids' homes and they were like, hey, coach, can I wear number four if I if I come to your school or whatever? And he's like, I don't want I don't want to get into that or whatever. But I also know that a lot of kids want to wear certain numbers. So we're thinking about making a merit based system. And of course, I'm a, the antenna immediately go up because I'm like, oh, what, you know, what do you, what do you mean by merit? Is it like, is it like in the WWE belt in the, in, uh, you know, training camp or whatever for, you know, best performance of the day? Is it, is it about, you know, a squat accountability, your SWAT team? Um, is it about performance on the field? Is it about performance in the classroom? Like it could have been in like a million, I mean, merit is so broadly defined. It could have been really anything. Right. And then not only did that not happen, but it never got asked about again, like literally never got asked about again. Not, nobody was like, hey, coach, uh, last year you were going to talk about a merit-based system. And I see Monty Van Gorder still wearing single digits. So uh, what's the deal with that? You know, <laughs> so um, no, no gummy slammer slander. Here. So the so the number one thing was based off of the <laughs> fact that they had they were number one in, in winning percentage all time. And then um, two things happened. Well, first, they lost that. Uh, by having such a shitty 2016 season about four weeks in. Uh, in fact, the last person to wear it on the field was uh, either, I think maybe Cole Luke or Josh Adams, but like, Qu- I think Quentin Nelson was the last person to be awarded it. He just couldn't wear it on the field. James Onwalu was definitely first. He wore it during the Texas game. Right. Um, How good would Quentin have looked in number one? Oh my God, it would have been hilarious. But, um, so, so they dropped it like four weeks into the four or five weeks into the season. And then the sanctions came down from in 2000 at the end of the 2016 before the USC game. Um, uh, is that all you guys want to talk about? All right, here we go. Um, that was at the end of the 2016 season, which voided according to the NCAA voided the, the, the all games in 2012, except for the, the law. Well, no, not including the loss because it was a bowl game and the, all the games except for the losses in 2013. So, um, I don't know what the NC, where the, where Notre Dame is in the NCAA rankings for all time winning percentage. I just know they're not number one right now. So, and it doesn't really nor, matter because it's do totally they, fake. Nor do they really, nor do they really count it anymore. And, yeah. and to their credit, like in, in every press release they have, they give the proper record. They put the asterisks on there. Uh, but they give the proper record. Like, well, it's funny because it. the first, I think the first, my recollection of the first couple of years was that they were giving the improper record and then putting an asterisk right. on it. You know what I mean? Right. And now at least they've gone back to like the fuck you NCAA. This is the record, That's and the and we should. will put, and we will put an asterisk if you if anybody else wants to know the fake record. You know? Yeah. Yeah, as they should. Yeah. The point. So 
I believe that they're going off of off of that, which puts us at the number one winning percentage, right? Right now, it, Ohio State's the number one. But if we kept all those wins, you mean from 2012 and 2013? I feel like, yes. yeah, I feel like we would be number one. Yeah, I think, I guess Ohio State's got it over Michigan by just a, a just a hair, isn't it? Ohio Ohio State's at um, 7:30. Alabama's at 7:29. Notre Dame's at 7:29. Boise State, which I don't count. Because they played, you know, half as many games, but they're at seven twenty nine. That's Notre Dame seven twenty nine with the with the with, with the, the vacated. Six. Yep. Oh, including yeah. the vacated wins. No, no, no. no the vacated not. wins are not. This is okay. this is what the yeah. NCAA recognized. Then they would so definitely Notre Dame is seven thirty. Yep. Notre Dame because they'd have a perfect season. Right. Um, Michigan's at five. Oklahoma's at six. Texas seven. USC eight. Nebraska mm-hmm. nine. And Penn State ten. The reason I'm asking is because of because of this. Number one, would you? T- what Jude said about Kelly talking about not wanting to get into that recruiting. That's exactly what you need to get into. That's the kind of bullshit recruits need to hear is that they're going to get whatever fucking number they want. You just, just sell it to them. Don't worry about it. Just sell it to them. When they get there, they'll figure it out. Number two, I've been seeing uh, some recruits, uh, you know, visiting a rock in that number one in yeah. their, in their photos. So, I mean, obviously that doesn't that doesn't really mean a whole lot, but at the same time, I guess you think it's like, can we just drop the bullshit? I mean, it's well. The other thing is, is and I will, I will double check this, but I am almost hundred percent positive he never said the one is out of play because of Greg Bryant. He's there's certainly acknowledgement that Greg Bryant was the last person to wear it, but he never like Brian Kelly never said we'll never wear number one again because of because of Greg Bryant. He never said anything about Greg Bryant. He just said he put he didn't he didn't say anything about it. He said the number one will go towards the most deserving player because of the the winning percentage thing or whatever. And then he said the two through nine will be a merit based system. He never said Greg Bryant, never ever. And if I'm wrong about that, somebody will surely call me out about it. But I I, I don't recall a single comment he ever made about Greg Bryant. Oh, even related if, to that number. Even if you're right about it, someone's going to call you out and say you're wrong. But the, that's fine. <laughs> but show me the quote. This is the internet. So, this yeah, is the internet. Show me, show me the quote. <laughs> So, uh, so I think it's important that if you if you're if you are of the mistaken belief that no Notre Dame player in the Brian Kelly era will ever wear number one again because of Greg Bryant, Brian Kelly hasn't said that. At least not to anybody in the press that's been reported. Okay. So I think the number one's still in play. Well, and I, and I by the way, hundred hundred percent agree with you. Who cares about? future problems that you make for yourself down the line. If some five-star recruit wants to come to your school and you them getting their, their favorite you number, it. you got it. You got it. Pull you that trigger, it. dude. You got it. That's a, that's a, that's an easy yes from me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe that doesn't make, I don't know. It just seems like an easy, like whatever you fucking want. Right. You know, you're not, and now with NIL stuff, I mean, you can, yeah, you I was going to say, tell them the bookstore is going to sell his number yeah. too. Yeah. You got, you, you got even more shit. You can sell them now. Um, I haven't even got into any of the NIL stuff on the site, on the on the pod at all. And for two well, reasons. It's, it's a moving target. It's a huge moving target. For number well, number one, I don't really I don't know enough legalese about it because of all the moving parts to to even remotely come close to like being accurate about what of the things I'm saying. And number two 
Duh. I mean, it's, it's it, this is going to happen. And I, I, I'm just, I'm in the, I'm in like the sit back, wait and see mode. We've talked about it before. I mean, shit, Brendan made up a whole, a whole, you know, portfolio of uh, NIL opportunities uh, for <laughs> yeah. these guys last year. Uh, look, the Sean Crawford uh, AARP uh, magazine cover was fantastic. Uh, Cal Hamilton covered in home run and pizza. Uh, but I just, I'm in so, I, this is the one thing that I am in like total wait and see. Like, I think it's hilarious that this was a nine, nothing uh, Supreme court win. Uh, I, I, but none of this is, I, I, I just don't have a whole lot to say about it. Um, but I mean, maybe other people do. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to bring anything more to the conversation than anyone's already talked about. And until we start seeing how these things start coming down, I'm just said I'm in total wait and see mode. <laughs> you know, like, it, one of the questions it's going to be, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird early is I don't think people are going to know. The problem is, is there's going to be no market value at start. And I think people are going to be stupid. Oh, I don't know about that. And, well, mean, no, I have, mean, you have but, third party companies right now. Just try to scoop up. But, but that, they're trying to scoop up the spots, but there's no market. There's no market value yet, so nobody knows what a True. recruit is worth. At an this Instagram point. post, what an Instagram post from uh, the starting quarterback at Purdue is worth, right? Yeah, and what the, and what this looks like probably in five, ten years is going to be significantly different than sort of the wild west of what it's going to be at first. Because I think yeah. early on, boosters are going to be spending dumb money. And people well, need and to that's understand. What we've always said. Yeah, people need to we've understand that said. it's gonna it's gonna be bad, and then it's going to be like bad. I'm air quoting. Kids are getting money. That's great, um, but it's going to they're they're going to be spending their money foolishly before they probably before some sort of market um, comes into play and the uh, invisible hand uh, directs directs everybody to how for, how this should work and for what it's worth uh recruits have been telling coming out of their visits from notre dame uh they've been telling reporters that notre dame's uh nil um pitch has been very unique and very different from everyone else's in, in a good way so it's involved girly leap I, it should because they fucking dominate <laughs> up there uh, i don't know i was gonna ask you guys those were questions like Name me your top three uh, South Bend local businesses to jump all over this. So, okay, let's take a quick break um, so I don't get yelled at about ads. Take a quick break, and when we come back, let's get into our uh, our our inner mailbag. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. Th- thanks for fast forwarding through those ads. Uh, they're terrible. I have no control over them. Um, so, fellas, what are your who? Are, what are your top three like South Bend local businesses to jump all over this like right away with the NIL? Jordan Lexus of Mishawaka. Get get a Lexus. No, no, no. It's going to be car dealerships. That's the most lucrative thing. That that's always that has been part of college football since the like the Pony Express the Trans Am. before the Pony Express. Yeah. yeah, it is. Brendan, Brendan, you're missing an obvious one here. What what major food chain can hook up with a with a notable tight end and make a uh, real connection here? Oh, Olive Garden, because when you're here, your family and you can get all the Italian players, right? The fuck Italians are you talking love about? The Olive what Garden the grocery store. Hell? Grocery store. Oh, um, Meyer. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said um, a food establishment like the Olive Garden. And you can get all the grocery store. So you're saying the Brendan, you're saying the entire offensive line uh, is going to have the worst, quote unquote, Italian food of their lives. I mean, <laughs> either it, it offensive linemen could be because uh, they're family. Yeah. Just like um, Fast and Furious franchise. Uh the Toretto's and Olive Garden are the same. <laughs> I mean, it is the car dealerships, but I mean, I think like, what's the, I don't know. I like, what's the rate? Like Julio cuts, right? That's where everyone, that's where a lot of the players go for their haircuts, right? Free haircuts. Wouldn't that seem like a, wouldn't that seem like an easy, like, like, what's their what, what's the going rate going to be for? Wait, for a why Twitter, would Julio pay if, if, if people are already giving it to him from free? It's well, now they can get it for free. Now they can get the cuts for free. Yeah, now they can get the cuts for free. You just put in a good That's word, it. which they already do. But now who, you can actually give the, it. Who does all the tattoos? There, there's a there is a there is a tattoo shop that does yep. most of the ink for for the guys in town. So now you don't have a, you know, an Ohio State situation, which I got to tell you, when you got, <laughs> I mean, the NCAA just has been, it's just been kind of funny to watch, right? In the social media age, because there's nothing that you can't do anything about a kid paying for his own tattoo and then taking pictures and posting it on social media. You know what I mean? But that's like, I just, I don't know. I just, I think. I'm not, sure, I'm not to say that there's been underground stuff going on, but it's so close to it's already there. Like the the, the structure is already there. There just hasn't been the the legality of the NCAA allowing for it to like be the real thing. I don't know. But we're just so Gurley Leap's gonna own these guys. This is what, this is what we're saying. Okay. <laughs> Jude, you got a question for for me or for Brendan? Yeah, since you know how closely I follow um, recruiting, can you tell me a little bit about this new uh, recruit that you wrote about for the website? 
the dude from Indiana, whose name I'm now, now blanking on. Uh, Craig? Is that his name? Craig? Yeah, uh, yeah, Ashton Craig. Yeah, tell me about Ashton Craig. Should I be excited about well, this? I, you know, I am. And here's why. He holds a shit. He really does hold a shitload of offers and he's got some decent offers. Um, but he's ranked right now as kind of like a high three-star prospect as an offensive tackle. Now, if you just go and and look at a picture of him and he's got one of him in, in uniform, it doesn't really look like an offensive. He, there's not a lot of meat on that bone. He's like 260 or something, right? It's, it's under he's 280. Listed, he's, he's listed at 285. Ugh, yeah, six five three five. I don't, I don't. That's a, that's a very hidden two eighty five. He's if he's wearing Goku's training uh, vest and wrist bracelets, maybe he weighs two eighty five. But none of that, but none of that matters because he holds the frame to hold two ninety three hundred. I mean, he, he he absolutely looks like he could put on, you know, twenty pounds, no problem. You know, give him a bailos. But what, what I like about him is this, is that they're recruiting him as a center. They have, they narrow their focus down to, you know, to that position. And that's the guy that they wanted to go after. And they got him. In-state guy. I think once the reevaluations from the recruiting sites uh, come around and he's reevaluated more as a center than as a tackle, you'll actually see his recruiting ranking go up. Um, but I like it. I, I like having, and I was talking to Greg about this the other day. I like them targeting a center as that's the guy we're going to develop as a center rather than just finding a guy, you know, Jared Patterson, you know, that's was on the team. Jared Patterson has wor- worked out great for us, but he wasn't targeted as a center. Sam Mustafer was, uh, and Zeke Carell was the difference between Sam Mustafer and Zeke Carell with someone like Ashton Craig or a guy that, um, or Hinsman, is that is the body type. Mustafer's he was barely six three, right? So I mean, you're getting a, you're getting a bigger guy here that you're developing as a center. So I'm all I'm all for it. Um, it look, he's not he's not a guy people are going to go do laps around, but he's a guy that's going to add depth uh, to your team, and he's a guy that you can develop to be a future center for you. And Hey, what did Brian Kelly say this spring? We're just trying to find a guy who can snap the ball. <laughs> that, that tells you how important that is. So will, will get a Ashton guy that, Craig be the starting center for the 2023 season opener for Notre Dame? That's a good uh, question. I don't, I don't know if you can say that with offensive linemen. No, he will not be. Zeke okay. Carell, Zeke, I mean, Carell, Carell will have, that'll be his fifth year is in 2023. Right. So Carell will be the starting center in 2023. Which is your answer to change to yes if you, if I give you another year, 2024? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he, I mean, that right now I'm lining him up to be because in 2024, he's a junior. And so you would hope that he would be ready to take over uh, for the next three years at center. That that's the plan, right? That's you bringing him in and developing him, yeah. him to take over as a, as a junior and, you know, play junior senior and, and possibly even that fifth year. I really like that band junior Seaver. Shake your coconuts. That's right. Move your feet. 
Everybody. Okay, sorry. So yeah, it's not a commitment that's gonna knock it. That's gonna make everyone go crazy. But just a general reminder: Notre Dame has the number two ranked recruiting class in the country, on both rivals and twenty four seven team composite. Where's that a bad thing? Uh, they'll they'll be coming. Let's not worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Clemson two is uh, pretty far down. Be happy right now. Where's Mac Brown and all this? Well. You never let that go. I mean, Big Game Boomer tells me Mac Brown is a better coach. So, Brian Kelly. I thought you were walking. If there was any Big Game Boomer talk, I'm sorry. I I, re- I refuse to stand for it on our website, but I will ma- I will trash it on our podcast. How about that? <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm just I, here I'm for him that he put Michigan some in hypocrisy. Before. Not all. <laughs> Uh, we, I, I'm actually looking at the recruiting rankings right now, and I'm North 35. Carolina. They are down to 35. Yeah, they have four, they have seven commitments. Three or four three of them, are, stars. four of them, four four stars. Uh, Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ooh. and South Carolina. Ooh. They got they got themselves a three star tackle, Justin uh, Kenyuk from Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I would say Notre Dame is doing just fine. I think they're doing okay. Uh, but, but, I mean, they're, they have more commitments than anyone else in the top. Well, Baylor and Notre Dame both have 16 commitments. Baylor is ranked 14. Uh, Notre Dame is ranked 2. Alabama is at 15 with 8 commitments. Two of those are 5 stars. Yeah. Now, Ohio <laughs> State's sitting on top. Ohio State sitting on top, and Bama. Look, this isn't saying anything. Bama's gonna fucking skyrocket. It's not a, that's not a question. Uh, but the big question is this: Is can Notre Dame do enough? And maybe this is important to you. Maybe it's not. And I was talking with Greg about this, and I probably have some type of write up about it. But if Notre Dame is gonna be a top five class this year, they can get that. But it's gonna take about twenty seven commitments. They can do it. And I've did all sorts of math on it. And basically, if they get the 27 that I think they can, and I was fairly conservative, not like not like totally, but like Zach Rice isn't on there. I'm not just throwing him on there. That they can crack to the average of the last, you know, five, six classes, the score that they get would land them. Um, I think I think it would max out at like number four. So either four or five, which is hey. Five is top five. Four is top five. So that's your answer. It's going to take about 47 commitments. But even if they don't, even if they don't, this class, the way it's shaping up, if they're ranked, which I mean, I still kind of feel like they're probably going to be sixth or seventh. I I still think that's going to be a really good sixth or seventh. That's going to be a really good class. It's going to be a fucking great class. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the what was it? The 2020 class. And that was down in the low teens. George Johnson didn't yeah. pan out, but Chris Tyree and Michael Mayer looked pretty good. Right. You got a five star and a borderline five star there. Yeah. And so, I mean, and look, we're still waiting. We're still waiting on a couple of these quote unquote silence uh, commitments. Um, and even if they're not silent, some guys that are close, you know, take like a, like Jalen Sneed, for example, he's a guy who could 
you know, eventually be a five star when it's all said and done. You you know, he was the he won the the rivals five star challenge thing that they just had. He was the best linebacker there. And Mike Singer said that 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 wasn't even the best he's seen him. He said he he thought he kind of had an off day and he still was the best best one there. So. You know, be prepared, I got you, or, you know, be don't be shocked if a couple of these guys rankings move up. I mean, I know normally Notre Dame fans are waiting for the Notre Dame for the drop, stub, right? Yeah. For yeah. the, for the drops. And you could have a guy or two drop and, and I'm not here to defend the recruiting industry at all. You know, sometimes that's just because other guys move up. So guys have to move down naturally. Uh, some guys are just don't make sense, but I think in this class, you're going to see a, a few more of Notre Dame's current commitments that are they're going to Morgan Walker, perfect example, right? Mm. And that <clears throat> that's a guy who's our still our lowest rated recruit. He's 823 nationally, but look at his offer list right now compared to Alabama, LSU, Michigan committed to Notre Dame. This is a kid that's going to probably end up being a, at least mid four-star player when it's all said and done. I mean, you just do not walk into Tuscaloosa and impress Nick Saban for that offer. If you're not good enough, you, you think Nick Saban has a problem getting wide receivers? Are they good at producing? I, mean, I, know, I know there's some podcasts <laughs> out there who think that this was a total fucking waste of a scholarship. But I tend to lean towards the Nick Saban way, as well everyone should. So I would say Walker probably ends up being a mid-four-star. Would not surprise me at all if he ends up being a a high four-star. I I don't think he's going to get the the big bump like Kyle Hamilton got. And even then, I wouldn't be fucking shocked. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I'm just saying this is a guy who's – your lowest rated recruit who's going to see a massive bump in the rankings. If he's 823 nationally, I would, I kind of expect him to be closer to like 230, which is exactly where Jaden Mickey's at. So that's just, that's just a, I mean, I guess on my part, but it's an educated one. We've, we've seen this before recruiting industry. They, they put a lot of weight in offers as they should. And if you test it out well, and now they got a verified time of four, four, one, all Walker has to do is have a solid season down there. And, and Pachatula, did I pronounce that right? Pachatula, Louisiana. I think you nailed it. Okay. Okay. All I have to do is have a solid season down there. And yeah, I think you're going to see him be a, a top two fifty guy at least. So that's excellent. Uh, Ashton Craig is a guy we just talked about. Is a guy I expected the, him to rise up in the rankings, not a whole lot, but some enough to make him like a low four. And so then your three lowest rated recruits right now at this moment then would be Eli Raritan, the tight end that you absolutely wanted, Darren Agu, whose upside is through the roof, and then a fucking Heinish. I mean, can't get enough Heinishes. <laughs> I mean, you can't get enough Heinishes. I mean, we're going to have a Heinish for like a decade. And I have 
I love it. It is funny Absolutely. to think that, yes, we are. Notre Dame is going to have, it's going to be the decade of Heinish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why? <laughs> five years for, for one and five years for the other. It's fucking great. So, so recruiting's recruiting's going well, I would say, and even and about to. I mean, it's we're about to see guys that have been through their visits that everyone's been waiting on, you know, start to pop, and I think that's going to make people happier. Uh, the situation with Nick Singleton, uh, four-star running back out of Pennsylvania, that's a that's actually dicier because <laughs> because now the pressure's off. There was pressure to, you know, to fill Notre Dame's, you know, there's already Jadarian Price, four-star running back, uh, top uh, right, 225 overall. He's already committed. So there's that second spot. And between Sawchuck and Hayden and Singleton, there was a little bit of pressure to who's going to fill that second spot open on Eddie's roster. Hayden went to Buckeyes. Sawchuck went to Oklahoma. And so, yeah, you're you're waiting for Singleton to commit, but now the pressure's off of him. Now he doesn't have to pull the trigger because he doesn't have to worry about those other two guys. So now he can take his time. He was down in Alabama, but Alabama's already has, you know, a couple of four-star running backs committed. I'm not over. I'm more worried about Penn State than I am Alabama. But I mean, if you're a big-time recruit, don't you take that visit to Alabama? And that's going to be one of my questions for you guys here in a minute. So let me ask you that. Let me ask you that. Jude, where do you take your five official? You are a, you are a five star. What, what's your position, Jude? What's your position? I'm gonna make my you five star. Any my position is quarterback. You're a five star quarterback. Oh boy. Other than Notre Dame, what are the five official visits that you are taking? Okay, I'm taking Oklahoma. I'm taking Alabama. I'm taking Ohio State. I'm taking Clemson and I'm taking Texas. You're not taking Syracuse. <laughs> I mean, I can go to Syracuse on my own, on my own dime. So. On your own dime, on your own dime. Okay. I can go to Rutgers on my own dime Brent, too. So. Brendan, pick a position. Oh man. Um, Let's be realistic here. A oh, long snapper. <laughs> you are a, a six-star long snapper because there is. Such I am a, a six-foot-tall long snapper. Um, From Rubio. No, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll say I'm cornerback. I'm the uh, I'm I'm the albatross. I'm the I'm the white cornerback. Everybody everybody's really excited oh, about. Oh, we're the reincarnation of Jason Seahorn. Love it. I'm Jason Seahorn D- 2.0. Wait, Brendan, have it's you gotten Trojan, vaccinated? I won't trash are you allowed to take official visits? Have you gotten vaccinated? Uh, I, I am, uh, I am double jabbed. Uh, so I'm, I'm set to go. Uh, yeah. That's so a, that's just a personal choice, right? So where are your five official visits? So I already know that I'm going to commit to Notre Dame. So when I'm getting out of my official visits is I'm looking for the best food because they're going to wine and dine you when you're there. Right. <laughs> so I'm not taking a trip to Columbus. Fuck that. No, we're going to LSU because you know that. There's some fine Ohio restaurants in Ohio. 
I would like to eat delicious Creole food down in uh, the bayou. So I'm taking a visit to LSU, and I will never forget the story of when Joe Burrow went to a restaurant with Ed Ogeron, and Joe Burrow was like, oh, man, I was hoping to eat crawdads, and they didn't have crawdads at the restaurant. So Ed Ogeron goes, oh, I'm going to get my phone out here. And he grabs his phone, and he calls a guy, and 15 minutes later— Enjoy the podcast. 15 minutes later, a dude shows up to the restaurant that they're at and just dumps out a whole, I guess, bucket of cooked crawdads. And they ate crawdads at the restaurant that didn't serve crawdads because, of course. So it's got to be LSU. It's got to be Texas for some brisket. I'm going to Alabama because I know that the operation that Nick Staben runs, he runs that so smooth and he must treat those five stars so nice. Um, I'm getting a poke bowl on my visit to Hawaii. Um, I have no intention of committing to Hawaii. Like I said, I'm going to Notre Dame. Um, but I yeah, think I want to take those official visits. Like, I think, take- I think a Hawaii, I think Hawaii is, you really got, you really got to have a relationship with them to get, come from the mainland for an official visit. You Cause they just- know. Like, I, yeah. They know. I, I'll just say that I'm a really big fan of the Disney Channel original movie, Johnny Tsunami. I really enjoyed um, the movie Lilo and Stitch. Uh, I have a great affinity for the uh, for the island life there, and I would love to see what the football program is all about. Um, this is in no way, shape, or form um, about getting poke bowls uh, from your – You can't wait side. to see their new stadium complex, right? I can't wait to see it. It's not about, you know, hitting up those food trucks, get those poke bowls. Um, and then the, and then my fifth, my fifth and final visit, um, is to Southern California, uh, to USC. And that's just, so I set the visit, they get everything ready in order to receive me at the airport. And then I no show because fuck them. <laughs> you left them on the tarmac. I left left him on the tarmac. Uh, I love it. Josh, you are a five-star tight end. Where are you taking your visits? Did we lose Josh? He's thinking about it. Oh. No, I was, I muted myself. Oh. Uh, it won't happen again. (laughs) (laughs) So no, I'm a five-star linebacker and I actually already answered this question because this was a, a a question I stole from a college football group on Facebook. And I'm trying to remember what my five schools were and it was, they were pretty dumb, but uh, so I took Michigan state, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and Washington. Why'd you take Sparty? Sparty has a not a national tradition of good li- of linebackers. Just the, I mean, the, but they've had some hard asses there. The Bullets, I'm, yeah, the Bullets came. I, I'm looking at, yeah. I, I guess I was looking at a at a paved my own way kind of. Uh, Kind of a deal. Number one, playing time at a place like Tennessee or Michigan State um, might be there a little earlier than at Alabama or at Georgia. 
and just, you know, making your fucking name, you know, ha- having to be on you, uh, take it, take a little harder route than, than the rest. Who At no time was ever considered. You just didn't want to play in Narduzzi system though, right? I don't want to play in an NFL stadium every fucking home game. Fuck that. That's why Miami wasn't on the list either. No, they were not. <laughs> All right, well, I got a question for you guys. I, I, I would rather I would rather visit West Virginia than Miami. I'd rather go to West Virginia too. Morgantown's nice. Uh, they, um, they play a great song. It's a great atmosphere. They have fans show up to their fucking football. They football do, game. in fact, have fans that show up to a game. It's it's wild. Um, <laughs> And I hear at night, uh, the the nights can be kind of cold, but they do keep those couches burning at just the perfectly right temperature to take the nip off uh, autumn eve. They know what they're doing. They do what they're doing over there in Morgantown. <laughs> uh, so I got a question for you guys then. I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll grab the mic here. Um, was there a game? In your history of Notre Dame fandom, that actually tested your devotion, that made you question whether or not it was all worth it. I, I've got an obvious Ooh. answer to this, but Josh, you want to go first? I mean, I've I got multiple. So uh, if you have an obvious answer, please go ahead. I mean, we talk about this game endlessly, and I think there's. I, I, my one of my dream interviews is to talk to like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever the right term is, maybe even a therapist, maybe Dr. Dr. Amber Selkin can, can help me with this 2011 Michigan, because not only had you. you not only had you gotten over the insane hurt that was losing to South South Florida the year, the week prior in that crazy ass game, but you somehow blew a 28 seven lead in the fourth quarter, right? And, and, and the weirdest way possible, and, and I don't have to get into it to re-traumatize people, but after that game, I was just like, what? why do I do this to myself? Like, why do I get so emotionally invested in the the basically outcomes determined by 18 to 22-year-olds? Like, why does this mean so much to me? Like, I was just really questioning, like, you know, I can't I just be a fan of the university? Like, do I have to, like, you know— do I have to cheer for the football team? I mean, it just was like, I spent the whole week just sort of like, you know, really thinking like, I, I think I'm too deep into this, you know? And uh, sure enough, the next Saturday that they played, I was sitting right front and center in the game, cheering my heart out again. I just, <laughs> you know, but it, it, it was like, a, it was a full, it was a full week of just depression of just like, like, this is awful. This is awful. It's the way it's making me feel that I'm letting it make me feel this way. Um, that I feel like I have no control over how bad I feel. Um, that I don't know anything I could do to fix it besides like just walk away. And I just didn't feel like I could walk away. So I think that was, I think that was, uh, I think that was the most recent test I can remember for sure. So I have a handful of things. I better get started. Two of them came from one season in particular, and that was 2006. And they were both wins at Michigan state. And I'm telling you this because Michigan state and UCLA, both of those games 
I was a total fucking ass uh, before they end up pulling it off. Uh, 2006 Michigan State, I had my mother-in-law was. I mean, I was fucking beside myself at the at what was going on until the, you know the comeback happened. Uh, 2006 UCLA, I had stripped my clothes off, uh, grabbed other clothes, and took that into the front yard and doused it with uh, gasoline and was moments away from lighting the motherfucker on fire before I figured I better go watch this last drive. Uh, and then that happened. Um, 2005 USC, because it just, it meant so much. Like it... <sighs> I don't like I was still, you know, 15 years old when Notre Dame lost to BC after, you know, in the 93 season. And for whatever reason, that 05, I was completely sold, even after watching them have that kind of dumb loss against Michigan State. And I thought this was it. This was finally we were fucking going to nip these sons of bitches. And it just it, it kind of broke, you know, it broke me for a good three or four days. Um, but the, I think the number one topper, and I think so much of it has to do with, you know, doing what I do on the website. And 2007 uh, was the first full season I, I started blogging about Notre Dame. And that Navy game, it was just walking out of that game and hearing a couple of students talk about, and they were totally fucking serious about at least it was competitive. And I was ready to drop gloves and fucking fight. I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't act like that. I wasn't that guy. All right. But in my mind, I was that guy. Like I wanted to go fucking punch a tree. listening to these guys talk about that. That 2007 Navy game. Absolutely changed my whole view about Notre Dame's football program. And this is already, it's already a bad season. We've seen bad seasons before, you know, and they've been able to pull out some shit here and there before, but losing to Navy, that absolutely reset everything I thought about Notre Dame football. Like maybe everybody was right. And at the time they fucking, they kind of were. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of games <laughs> over the last 20 years uh, that games have, you know, kind of uh, broke me into a few pieces. But I would say, out of all of them, it was the that 07 Navy game, uh, just dead inside. I was ready for the season. It's not often where you're ready for the season to be absolutely over. As a as a college football fan, you just you want it to last forever. I was fucking done. There, there, no way could this season go on any longer. Thank God, uh, you know, you didn't have to. In a way, you're lucky that it wasn't a, a stupid six-win season in Charlie's third year, where you're going to a bowl game and just having to like still think about them. Uh, you're ready to move on, but yeah, that that game that, that did it. Just to always have the oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, you would think for me it would mirror Jude's 2011 Michigan, um, but Which I is a great have, answer by the way. It, it, I mean, it's 
in a lot of ways, it's the correct answer. Um, but for me, I think it was the two thousand. It wasn't. It, it's still Michigan, but it wasn't. The, it wasn't the 2011. It was actually the 2013 Michigan game because that Michigan team was legitimately Trash. very bad with Devin Gardner and his number 98 and Kirk Herbstreit and Brett Mossenberger up in the booth with Eminem. And I was shit talking that Michigan team for like the entire summer and leading up to it. Cause they had Jordan Kovacs, a walk on free safety. You couldn't run and everything about that team was awful. And then Notre Dame was coming off of the title. Right. And then just not defending against slants over the middle and just the defense absolute and the score ends up looking closer than it was because of the, you know, Stefan to pick at the end, but it was an absolute. I was going to say how, how like beside yourself was when Stefan to like recovers that in the end zone. And all of a sudden it's like oh, 34, 30, 30 possibly. Yeah, that was possibly that was new life. Yeah. And just we've, I mean, we've seen crazy before. I mean, 2000, it would have been their version of 2011, right? With Reese kind of fumbling absently um, in 2011, the, the ball that he didn't even right. have in his hands. Just, yeah, that, that, and I, if, when it's like question my devotion, because it was like, I talked so much shit and, I had to just like eat it all. And I'm like, what, what, what am I doing? Like, what the hell? Yeah. That one fucked me up for a few weeks. (laughs) All right. A piggyback off of that. Okay. Here's what, what mid-level win. So this wasn't against a ranked opponent, but what mid-level win had you beaten your chest you know, a little too hard after a Notre Dame win. Like which, which win over a team that they should have beat. They should be. Were you just, were you like, ha ha, fuck yeah. And you know, I mean, just a little bit, a little bit more than, than maybe you should have. Yeah. I want to mind you. Um, I think so, but I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a better answer. So why don't you go ahead? I mean, honestly, it was probably the 2010 Sun Bowl against Miami. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sh- it was a really shitty Miami team, um, but like getting the bowl streak monkey off the back and like capping off that fantastic finish to the 2010 season, um, in the way in which they did it, uh, yeah. I, I, I would say at that point, Miami was pretty middling. And um, is that kind of what you're looking for? Or are you looking for like, no, I mean, that, I mean, that dunking on UMass. I, I, I wasn't like, I wanted to make sure you know, nobody was saying like 2012 Oklahoma. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. 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 Then for or, sure for me, the, or like, the, or, or even like a, I mean, or even like a real rivalry game, like against a Michigan or, like, yeah, because my my answer was my answer immediately came to mind was 2014 Michigan because it was right, it, it felt so awesome and then we realized that team sucked. Both, you know, right? But that's yeah. but that's a win over Michigan. So like any that that's a beat chess moment, anyways. Okay, no matter what, whether it's shitty or 2008 Hawaii Bowl. 
That's that's an excellent answer. I love I love that answer. Really funny, <laughs> really funny answer. Uh, when Jimmy Clausen beat Purdue, just Jimmy Clausen. Anytime Jimmy Clausen got a win, it was pretty. Yeah, exciting. thank God he got a win. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't Jimmy Clausen's Purdue game, but uh, uh, I guess it would have been Tommy, Tommy Reese's with Devar with Devaris Daniels is like punching a guy for twenty five thirty yards. It's still one of my favorite one of my favorite pass plays of all time. <laughs> was that to, to Daniels when he's just fucking beating that guy back? Um, dude, you got do you have one or you just you gonna roll with the with the Holiday Bowl or the Hawaii Bowl? I don't know. Do do you, you have? I mean, do you, are you I, are you done? I don't know. Uh, I have I have one. I have one. We'll come back to you. I I have okay. one. It's not it's not the it's not the Purdue Jimmy Clausen the 09 Purdue game. No, no. It, you know what's shitty is that is that since we've I've been so immersed in all this, like you know, because of the sites and all you know all that crap, it's it's hard for me to get out of of uh, the Brian Kelly era. Like it really is. Uh, like because I, I know there's probably some of those games and especially in the Davy era uh, where I felt this way, but they're just they're not popping up in my head. But that Virginia Tech game in 2018 in Blacksburg. Yeah. That was not a good Virginia tech team, it, which was what angered me more than anything about how much respect they were given and all over the division fucking, one team or the, who's the FCS team they lost to. Was it Gardner Webb? Gardner white no, furniture. Lost, who is it? James no, Madison. They lost, a, they lost Howard the old Dominion. Oh, who's an FBS school, but just, it was old dominion. Uh, but it was like, Everybody banked on that fucking intro to like carry Virginia Tech to victory. And I'm like, where are we getting this? Like, I'm like, I was diving in. I'm like looking up every night game they've had against ranked opponents. Like over the last, like they losing all these games. Who is still selling this bullshit? And everybody was. And that was the only analysis we got in there because of that 2017 Miami game. The Notre Dame lost lost and the, the, how bad that crowd was somehow Notre Dame is just going to lose to this shitty Virginia tech team. And granted they put up a little bit of a fight, but I mean, still won pretty damn big. You did what big boy's supposed to do on the road. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, I still, I was up until lane stadium, Virginia tech finally like put it in the record books. Cause it was, it wasn't in the record books for a couple of years that Dexter Williams held the record for the longest run in that stadium's history. Like I would be on Twitter, like calling them out, like change this. That's how much of a beat chest moment that is for me. Uh, you know, being able to trash enter Sandman all week. Uh, and then the wind sealed it. Like I talked, I mean, I'll talk some shit, but I talked a lot of shit that week, like a lot. Like there are some hidden corners of the Virginia tech internet that were ready to, to lynch me. I mean, the, the traffic numbers for the site were insane and they were coming from these crazy Virginia tech message boards. Uh, and they were just gobbling up every bit of trash. I was talking. So getting that win, getting it that way, that, that was, and it was a, not a good team. The fucking transfer. I can't remember the, the name of the quarterback, but he was a transfer in from Kansas. I mean, come on. So yeah, that one, 
All right. I thought of, I thought of two. Am I allowed to pick a Michigan state game or is that too, too rivalry ish? I mean, for you already, for me, yes, but maybe not for everybody. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. So I really didn't know what kind of team we had in 2012 and obviously come back off of two, eight and five seasons in a row. Um, obviously wiped the floor with Navy in the first week, but then escaped thanks to Tommy reason the second week against Purdue. Um, and then go play Le'Veon Bell in Michigan state who was ranked number 10, but was actually a trash team. And I remember (laughs) as soon as Everett Golson hit John Goodman and I was like, we're the best. We're absolutely unbeatable. You know, cause I thought, shit, if we can beat number 10, Michigan state, we certainly can beat Michigan. Um, yeah, we certainly can beat Michigan at home. Uh, you know, Sierra uh, Wood was a beast that night. We'll, we'll beat Stanford. The, we'll beat Oklahoma. Oh, Pitt. Come on, Pitt's not gonna be hard. Um, the other one that comes to mind is uh, 2002, the first game against Maryland, and the first game oh, of Williams yeah. series. And it was just sort of yes. like uh, it, it was funny because they they pasted them, but it was like. <laughs> Um, it was the beginning of the smoke and mirrors, you know, it was just sort of like, uh, Oh, okay. Uh, so the offense has some things to work on, but you know, Maryland's a ranked team. Like we're, we're good, you know, um, definitely made me think that that was going to be a huge season for us, which for eight weeks proved true. So yeah. I'm surprised nobody said, uh, 2005 pit, the opener of the Weiss era. Oh yeah. That was another one. That was one where, like, because I think Dave Pitt was ranked. versus Charlie Weiss. Yep, Pitt was definitely ranked. And just, yeah. I'm I'm not sure if um, I'm not sure if in the 2002 season Notre Dame scored 42 offensive points. So well, it was. <laughs> I would. I, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here nodded like crazy when Jude said 2002 Maryland, because I, I think I've told that story before on this podcast before. Like after Notre Dame, what, what was that? 22 nothing. Yeah. Yep. That's 22 nothing. I'm hammered after that game. It just. Oh, yeah. You were calling Ohio else. State fans. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, I, we was out at a buddy's house. Uh, they were having a, having a party and they're all Ohio State fans. And I'm going off. And I normally am fairly reserved because I'm outnumbered, you know, with these with these cats. I, I don't talk shit. Just be an asshole. But I'm drunk. I just watched 22 nothing. Ty Willingham's, you know, the, the second coming. And I talk at all sorts of shit, and it just, you know, of course, that year Ohio State won the national championship. Yeah. So I was reminded about that night more than a few times throughout that season, uh, and I was just sitting there praying to God, like, why is it Ohio State losing these games? They should be fucking losing. You know, they stuck out a lot. They stuck a lot of games out of their ass that year. Sure did. Good team, but. But yeah, that that's a that's a good one, Jude. That's that's a that's a perfect example. Perfect example. Okay, uh, Jude, shoot out a question. Uh, uh, you get you know, Pat. I, I I spent the whole time answering these questions. I didn't think of my own questions. I gotta I gotta take a skip. Come back to me. I know, I know Brendan's Brendan's good for good for another. Yeah, one. Brendan's good. Oh, for you, you know I got You know I got a list. Um, what's your boy's biggest fear? Like, what's the doomsday scenario of 2021? 
How does this oh, thing God, go I'm, sideways? Yeah, we're talking about. I'm so glad we're talking about football and not like. I thought you. Like, what is your biggest fear? Like, oh man, are we really gonna get into this? I got these dreams, man. Um, Tell me about this. Uh, Biggest I mean, how, fear for this season. Yeah. How in de- do I just name you need one thing or how in depth do I need to go? Like multiple things, multiple cl- I name all the calamities. You Jude, you do you. Okay. I'm just going to name one. Phil Dracovic wins the Heisman. Oh God. Yeah. I said, I said, be- I said what I said. That's gross. <laughs> but I mean, what if, what if Notre Dame goes 12 and 0? Okay. Doesn't matter. They just got waxed in the playoffs again, or or what? But I mean, but they're twelve and <laughs> by 0. Phil Dracovic and his twelve and zero BC Eagles. And, and in order for Phil to go okay. to, in order for him to win the Heisman, like he has he's, to he's beat Clemson. Win. Oh god. Yeah, they got to win. Like I'm, I, I want to. Yeah, they'd have to beat Clemson in order for him to win the Heisman. Because for a Boston College quarterback to win a Heisman, they only really need to have one good game. <laughs> I mean, Flutie put up numbers that year, but whatever. Okay, sure. <laughs> but yeah, if, if he beats Clemson, oh gosh, that would be the pits. So I'm I'm, I'm like running to BC's. Schedule yeah, for it's it's year. Clemson, and if you don't beat Clemson, there's not enough meat on that bone. Because they're out of conference. Yeah. It's UMass, Colgate, yeah, Col- and Colgate, Colgate, UMass, Temple, Missouri. Yeah. Clemson, NC State, Louisville, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Wake Forest. Got to be Clemson. You beat Clemson in at Clemson, too. So, ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say I'll say this I'll say this going into that Clemson game he'll have an insane amount of hype with Colgate UMass Temple and Missouri who you could tout up as an SEC school going into that Clemson I mean you're gonna have you're gonna have some some hype for him going into that game so that's yeah. That I mean, that's. I just don't know how nightmare it is for me if Notre Dame goes twelve and zero or even eleven and one. I I know Evans didn't end up picking Notre Dame in the end, and he went to Missouri. But maybe he can still do Notre Dame a solid and give Phil a rough <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> True. Ah <laughs> uh, man, nightmare scenario. I guess like. Like a two, like a 2013 season, right? Like that's yeah. that's nightmare. Like pinstripe bowl, holy shit! You know that means you're seven, eight wins maybe, eight which and is four. oh. But how do you go eight and four? Like what has to ha- what has to happen? Because 2014. Or 2013 had to happen because, you know, Golson Golson got booted before the season, right? He had to sit out. And, like, 
Yeah, and everything just kind of was stale, and like I the just, locker room was kind of lost after the right. Eagles flirtation. I, I don't know. So nor- normally it's in August when I write out the uh, how to handle any Notre Dame loss in 2021, um, which is basically just me telling you what to drink and what to listen to while you sit in a dark room and rethink your life. Uh, but you know, just going going top to bottom. You know, Florida State to start off with, that could just be a nightmare all on its own. Uh, just Are you with, saying that this is you know, like 2016 Texas Redux is how it would play yeah, out? Yeah, it could like be. The game I mean, on Sunday night and I mean, you, you can do a shootout with a shitty team. I mean, almost every single team on this schedule, you could nightmare it out. You know, you, even if you beat Florida State, come back. What if you have a shit game on a short week against Toledo? Uh, you know, Purdue. Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, SC, North Carolina. I mean, there's just there's the there are multiple ways where this season could go, not just sideways, but fucking go through a crack in the earth and straight to hell. Multiple ways. Um, but any kind of any kind of way it shakes out, like a seven eight win season, would just be like. It would kill everything you did for the last five years. Yeah. Right? That's a nightmare scenario. I can't go back to that. Like, even, like, (laughs) taking it back to the beginning of the pot, like, even a 10 and 2 season doesn't take me back there. It's just a stalemate. And as much as I, you can, and you can even write that off to brand new offensive line, uh, a couple, a couple of different things you could, like, sell yourself on. Going into the offseason, even though it would suck, you, you could sell yourself on. You do any kind of scenario where it's like eight wins and it might as well be four and eight instead of eight and four. That's what it's going to feel like. So, I, I mean, it's it's shades of because. It's shades of Alabama 2019, then that that's a 10 and two football squad. Well, 11 and two, right? Talking about the, uh, the camping world yeah. bowl. No, they're citrus bowl champions over Michigan, right? Yeah. That's a 10 and two season. And even Alabama 2019, they had a 10 and two season team probably would have went to the 12 team playoff, but it, they would have won the playoff. <laughs> they would have, they lost to LSU 41, 46. And then they lost to Auburn 45, 48. They probably would have won the playoff. If they would have got a rematch with LSU, yeah. 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 Okay. Brandon, you have a question answer your own question? Did you answer it? Uh as far as my biggest fear going into twenty twenty one. Um I think the only real fear I have is that Notre Dame has a like even a total failure of a season wouldn't upset me. It would be sort of like maybe the eight and four, but like a nine and three is the one that would really get me because like at least if there's failure, there's changes that end up happening. But like nine and three, just it would feel like a lost year. (sighs) 
All right. And I think the, the way the way that I guess that, that would have to happen is Jack Cohen is the quarterback he was at Wisconsin. And he hasn't become the better version that the coaching staff one bit better. Uh, yeah. Cause that's, that's the thing I, I, when we picked up Jack Cohn, I jokingly called him a Jag. I don't, wasn't jokingly, uh, but I thought he was a Jag <laughs> at Wisconsin. And then Pete Sampson over at the athletic in his mailbag um, with the, and then with the anonymous coaches in the state of the program, he had an anonymous coach say that Jack Cohn is a Jag. And then in his mail, most recent mailbag, he said he talked to three Big Ten West coaches, and they all said Jack Cohn is a Jag. So, and Jag, if you don't know, is just another guy. So, my my fear, I guess, is that the quarterback position in Jack Cohn is not what we need. And also added on to that, that there's nobody who can who can take the job away from him too, right? Yeah, I mean, whether Drew, it be Drew, Drew Pine, Pine or Taylor Buckner. Brennan Clark or Buckner, yeah. Or but Avery I, Davis. Or Avery Davis, um, noted or fourth-star quarterback. Uh, but yeah, if they wait too long to pull the trigger on moving on from uh, Cone, if he does, if it doesn't work, and and then it's you know eight three nine or eight four nine and three. Ugh. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I've got a question now. Are you guys familiar with the uh, Twitter account No Context College Football? Absolutely. Love them. Yes. Okay. What is to you the definitive No Context College Football um, screenshot or GIF to, uh, that mo- you most strongly identify with Notre Dame? I thought you were going to say just GIF or a screenshot, <laughs> and it would be Frank Beamer celebrating his 0-0 tie. <laughs> Going into overtime, <laughs> which is the greatest screenshot of all time. <laughs> it I really is. I love the guy. I don't know. Is it Kendichi the, the, on the ground? Robert Kendichi. He, he lo- looks at the camera. He's just recovered a fumble. And he looks at the camera and he, like waves at the camera. I think it was like a Thanksgiving game, like an egg bowl or something. Yeah, egg bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Last well, I'm saying Actually, speaking one. of that, I think the one for me is from the egg bowl, and that's uh, looked at the leg. Yeah, I, if if I was gonna identify with any, uh, that I mean the 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 guy shouting, the Stanford guy shouting over what Christian McCaffrey's shoulder, that's pretty iconic, right? Yeah, I I think they posted the one the uh, Mike Glass uh, knocking the shit out of the ref. The, the guy, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's another one I identify with. I mean, uh, the surrender Cobra Michigan fan from the the, uh, trouble with the snap game, right? Yeah, well, surrender Cobra Virginia fan, too. Oh, yeah. Also a very good one. I'm I'm strolling through real quick, and uh, almost, almost as good as Wake Forest and Virginia Tech is from, I think it was 2000. No, it shirt, I think it was shirtless, shirtless Florida State fan reading a book in the stands. Oh, that was it, good is too. Dave it is Pitt losing twenty losing three to nothing in the Sun Bowl to Oregon State. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looked across the field like there was still some time left. Uh, that's not good. Uh, 
was reaching into that case of Iron City Light, hoping to find just one more. If you guys don't know what the hell we're talking about, uh, on Twitter at No Context CFB, it is a it is just a lovely account that just just sums up college football in one tweet shot. It's just all of those iconic shots of the weird moments in college football history, like Michigan punter getting hit in the face. And then or just the, the look of the pure guys terror blocking on it. each other. Or what was it when the was it Louisiana Tech had the the fourth and what it was? What was it? Oh, fourth and like or third and five. Yeah, third and sixty five or whatever it was because they had the snap go over their head and they fumbled it back to like the no 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 five it was it was no it was fourth and it was like third and goal at their own like third five and goal five. yeah there you go yeah or maybe just that they have some great names like Dick Coffee yeah. <laughs> I mean, never was a good cop. I mean, th- this account definitely tweeted out the uh, the dead Virginia fan. Yep. Uh, when that yep. happened in 2015, uh, which is just like one of the That's, great shots that, of all time. Is that the ba- is that the best Notre Dame specifically Notre Dame related shot? It like is really good. from that same play though. I put it out a couple years ago for that same play. There was another dead man. He was, he fell down. He fell down dead. When Fuller crossed the goal line, he was standing just, uh, Oh, he was on the hill, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had never noticed that until I was like scrolling through some stuff and watching that play. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's another, that was, that was a double murder. (laughs) But by the way, if if this is the cap it off, it's my favorite one to cap it off on. Um, one of the trouble going back to the trouble with the snap, the best screen cap from the trouble with the snap play Michigan, Michigan state is that seconds before the punt is made, there's de- there's a screenshot of Desmond Howard on the sidelines, shit eating right. grid, both yep. thumbs up just before yep. uh, Jim Harbaugh <laughs> decided to send two gunners on a all out pump block. Michigan State didn't have a guy set to receive a punt, and Jim Harbaugh's got two guys on a special teams punt team set out wide to go down the field, down the punt. They posted a Notre Dame one just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the Jimmy Clausen one. Yeah, yeah, missed that one. Like that one. Black eye, most points scored in the first quarter of the season. It was fucking last game of the year. Yeah. (laughs) And it was 14, <laughs> 14 points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the oh, answer? God. Oh God. I don't know. There's just too many. If it's Notre Dame specific, um, it's gotta be the Virginia one. Okay. That's a great one. How about golden Tate jumping into the band? Have they, po- Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's an all, yeah, that's an all timer. I mean, too bad. Brennan, I know Brennan and I have an affinity for Carson Palmer holding up the Jules Shillelagh because we both think it's bullshit. That's like the only image shot of the trophy. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame needs to do something about that. Tommy Reese is close. You see it hit the tunnel. Yeah. Well, and it had his, uh, his wins too. It had the 11, it had the, uh, he was highlighting his, uh, Michigan state wins. Yeah. He needs to <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, the honestly, the overall there is really. I do wish. Than, I do wish Notre Dame had the Beamer the, one. Well, I'll tell you one that I love is uh, it's not Jerry Kill, but it's some Michigan or Minnesota coach eating a dilly bar at halftime of a game, <laughs> which is like thirty degrees outside. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yep, that was a good one. <laughs> the snow God, coming I down. Love, God, I love this fucking dumb sport. Minnesota. so fantastic. Uh, God, I, I, I can't stop scrolling through here now. I know. Uh, it's so good. It's just, it is a great account. And if you love college football, just go ahead and spend some time scrolling through it. It's fucking great. Uh, I mean, you'll, you'll, find, you'll get to Minnesota's probably the most... Minnesota had a worse jersey than UConn's Aeropostale with those Giant two M's letters. on the front. Yes. Oh, yes. The, the, the move, the man's ears. Um, you got a question, Josh? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 go back. Let's dive into some shit here. Um, all right. Do some rapid fires. Jude, Brendan, top three offensive players in our name this season. Michael Bayer, Kyron Williams, and if healthy, Kevin Austin. I if not gonna, I'm going to agree on the first two, and I'm going to say Kyle Hamilton on the third. Because I'm, I'm leaning fully into this bit. Okay. It's going to happen. I mean, Kyron and Kyron and Michael Mayer. I mean, like, why why would you vote against them? Like, I'm not sure why you would. I don't yeah. know. I just like before when third? lamented. I, like, I mean, if I had if I had to pick a non-jokey answer, um, and Kevin Austin's a great answer, a great answer. I'm gonna say Brady Lindsay. What the hell? Yeah. If if Kevin Austin isn't healthy, Brady Lindsay's my third one. Yeah. Uh I feel like I know better than any Big Ten West coach. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say Jack Cohn. Because fuck great. you, motherfucker. And that would be a great, if that comes true, everything's good. Everything's gold. We're doing, we're doing great. We're doing great. Uh, same question, but on the defensive side. Um. Jude, you go first. Well, no, I, I can go first. Um, <laughs> Kyle Hamilton I'll again. <laughs> Myron, uh, go Myron Tagliabue. Yeah, Mosa. Yeah. I'll go. Um, uh, we'll say Drew White, and we will say. Um, hmm, who should I pick for my third? <laughs> Isaiah Foskey. <laughs> yeah, let, let's go with that. No, I mean. It's it's obviously Kyle Hamilton one two and three. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, uh, Jordan Patello, and Isaiah Foskey. Let's fucking do this. This is the year for Foskey, right? This has got to be like his I, last year was the year for Foskey. As far as I'm, I'm a Foskey fan. I'm not sure. Like it was supposed to be last year, but I don't. It think was supposed to be say. because it because of his fadeaway. Yeah. You why listen and why and read the beat. Foskey just is not mentioned. And when he is, it is with a tone of, I don't know. Like there, there's a lot of question marks. I, I don't know how real they are. Like he was only a sophomore last year. I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, 
I, it feels like he's getting a bad rap from the beat right now, but in a, in like a really passive aggressive way where they're just not talking about, <laughs> they're just not talking about him. It's not like anyone's trashing him, but they're just not talking about him. like Botello is the hot name. So and it's, uh, my, yeah. yeah, my three Cal Hamilton, uh, Drew White and Kurt Heinisch. You gotta have it. You got that. Bo Bauer disrespect is real. It's look. It's not. I'm just not sure. <laughs> I'm still unsure about Bo's real Bo's role. I would. I hope and pray that we're gonna see White and Bauer together. And I think if that's the case, I, I think Bo Bauer is gonna have a fucking knockout season. So and I, I honestly was leaning towards, uh, 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 you know, a prodigy, if you will, to, ha- to, to be that top three guy. Like I could, I mean, I could seriously see, uh, you know, one of the corners having a, just an incredible season, like out of the blue. I mean, it happens. It's not like uncalled for shit happens. Like all of a sudden it's like, Oh wow. You know, we're, we'd be really, we'd be really hurt right now if, if this guy wasn't playing out of his fucking mind, so I could, I could see Clarence Lewis having a, having a season like that. Not, I, he wasn't picked on my three, but I'm just saying, I gave it some thought. Um, what, what's the one road game that you wish that you were going to? <laughs> anyway, any road game for Notre Dame this season, and that's any game outside of Notre Dame Stadium, which game would you want to go to? I I guess it would probably be um, the road. I have no probably don't probably the Sunday game. Yeah. Because um, I got the I got the Monday off. Um, though it's gonna it would be hot as ball. It's gonna be hot as balls. I went to the Texas um, game in 2016. That was that was pretty hot. So. Yeah, Tallahassee in early September. I mean, it'll be night, but it's going to be pretty miserable. Um, it's slim pickings, just to put it in context. It I mean, it is It is at Florida it State. Is. I am not counting Wisconsin because that is a neutral site game. Well, and who wants um, to go to Soldier Field? It's a fucking no. dump. Right, that's, yeah. yeah, it's a fucking dump. Why would you want to go to Soldier Field? Uh, Lane Stadium, I guess, are you trying to trick us into saying Lane Stadium or do you want to go to Charlottesville for Scott Stadium for Virginia? And then there's Stanford. The farm is a dump. Um, well, I, I would get to heckle the players and be heard because I would be one of 12 <laughs> fans at the game. You would be one of the 12 <laughs> fans there, yeah. That's I, I mean, if, I, to be honest with you, if we were ending the season at USC, I think that'd be my answer. But yeah, I'd be when, too. Stanford, right, but it's just doesn't, it doesn't move the needle for me. <laughs> it, it's It's got to be Florida State, Tallahassee. There's me. four true, I, four true road games. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that's probably the right answer, but as someone who went to a Sunday night season opener, I I don't. I'm telling you guys, I don't like it. I don't I, like it either. I don't like, I've been I've been against this Florida State game for for months now, and I know we're supposed to route them. But and even if we win by 18 points like we did in Louisville in 19 or in 18, I just I don't like it. And it's hot. Fuck that shit. I mean, I just I wouldn't. 
It's going to be hot. Louisville's hot. That was hot. And I wasn't trying to trick anybody, but I think if the Virginia Tech game was later in October, and if the Virginia game was earlier in November, like there, there's a certain time to be in the state of Virginia. Uh, that's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I might as well ride it. Give me Virginia Tech because <laughs> you just want to hear that intro. You want to I want to see the atmosphere. I, I want to. I would just continue my shit talking ways. I mean, might as well. Uh, but I, my runner up would actually be Virginia. And it's just, you're right. There's slim pickings on the road. And then, no, I don't want to. I'm going to tell you right now, that Virginia game is going, just looking at it now, it's going to give me heart palpitations because it's post-Navy. It's an away game. That has all the makings of a classic trap game. So I I wouldn't want to be there. That just sounds like a miserable game to be at. Here's here's Virginia's schedule leading up to Notre Dame. They play William & Mary, Illinois, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Miami, of course, Louisville, Duke, Georgia Tech, BYU, bye week, of course, and then Notre Dame. This could be a top 20, top 25 Virginia team by the time we play them. They're going to have L's against North Carolina, Miami, and one other team. Right, because they got to go at UNC, at Miami, and Miami's going to have Derek King and be mediocre to good. We don't know what Miami's going to be. No, that, I mean, Miami doesn't know what Miami's going to be. <laughs> but they do tra- they, hey, they do travel out to BYU before that bye week. I don't know. I just got to. I mean, we're talking this is this late in the season, a one or two lost team from the ACC. Yeah, yeah. There's only so many. There's there's 25 spots, and the committee feels like they need to rank the ACC X amount of teams. So I can see them in that like 24, 25 spot, right? Like they were in 2019. I don't know. It's for Notre Dame, and it's just it is not a a very sexy road schedule this year at all, which is good for the record. I mean, that's like half of the fucking reason why we're like, oh, I'm shouting, like, show me the loss. You know, with Florida State, uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Stanford are your only away games, true away games. None of those stadiums scare me I mean, Florida State, I mean, that, that, it's not, it's not, you know, 2014. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't scare. The games, to me, feels tricky. Like, I'm I'm not going to back off of my line of that Sunday Labor Day game on the road. But it's just, it's not a sexy away schedule. So you got, but you guys are both sold on that's the, that's the away game you go to. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Brendan, do you got any other questions? Uh, yeah, I got one more. Um, what opposing player that Notre Dame sees this season um, gives you the most cause for concern? So is there somebody on the schedule that uh, makes you a little nervous? Well, I got I got two quarterbacks, and neither I one of them are. Fucking, I got a I, I got a quarterback, and neither one of them are Sam Howell. Ooh, but, and mine is also not Sam Howell. Ooh, yeah, Keaton Slovis and yeah. and Graham Keaton, Mertz. Keaton Slovis was my answer. I'm going to lean more towards Mertz uh, because I think I I. I click Clay Hilton is trash. And <laughs> if this was, if they would have got themselves a new coach, I'd feel differently about it. But no, I don't care if Slovis has a, a DJ Uyangalai type of game. I, I still feel Notre Dame wins that game. So I'm fine with that. But the Graham Mertz situation, if Graham Mertz actually is what people think he is, which we can't be I sold on, it. right? I didn't see right, I mean, like, he was like, mediocre at best last year. Right, outside like, of that people opening game. Up because of his big game against Illinois. Yeah. So and then but there's they're COVID and but so if but if he if he is actually the hype, if he's actually be able to be the hype, then that game does that does worry me. He would worry me. Because that I mean I'm not overly concerned about Wisconsin's skill positions, but if they can consistently, you know, get first downs and if he can be accurate and, you know, throw like 65, 70% complete, then, then there's going to be some trouble there. He, uh, just so you know, um, they do have another New Jersey running back. Um, (laughs) only recruits New Jersey running backs in Jalen Berger this time. Um, yeah. But here's Mertz's stat line from last year. He was 118 for 193, which is a 61% completion rate for 1,238 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. And how many games, though? Seven. Seven. So, I mean, that sub-two-to-one TD-to-interception ratio, and when you consider those nine touchdowns, Five of them came against Illinois. So the rest of the season, he was four touchdowns, five interceptions. That's not great. He didn't throw a touchdown the final four games of the season or three games of the regular season. He didn't throw a touchdown the final three games of the regular season. Where his team scored uh, six, seven, and then 20 points. And then the game before he lost to Northwestern seven to seventeen. He lost football games seven to seventeen, six to fourteen, and seven to twenty-eight. That narrative's a hell of a drug, and they are certainly oh, peddling yeah. it. But yeah, Mertz is but Mertz is going to be playing out of his mind. I would imagine Cone too, right? Competing against each other, and we well, don't. Each one, I. I uh, I was reminded today about uh, 
<clears throat> Wisconsin's special uh, reverse revenge tour with Jack Cohen and Notre Dame. And also, uh, uh, God, I can't even think of his name. Uh, <laughs> Wisconsin quarterback that transferred to Eastern Michigan. So, <laughs> and they play, they play Eastern this year. So there you go. Yeah, I watched Slovis a lot in 2019 when he came in and he wasn't expected to be much of anything because they had uh, JT Daniels and I think Daniels was getting all the hype. Yeah. And he was the most like electrifying because any moment he could be slinging a 50 yard touchdown or making the most crazy ass interception you've ever like thrown or, you know ever seen or whatever and then last year he had six games he threw for basically 2,000 yards 17 to 7 TD interception ratio which means he's up to 47 to 16 TD interception ratio in two years uh, he's got a completion percentage of 70% blended over two years 67% last year um, kid's good dude kid's really good Oh, he's good yeah I mean he he's gotten some weapons taken away from him, but I'm sure he has others. No, they they've they've done a okay job. I mean, it hasn't been the SC of we've talked about this before. Sure. They haven't. It's not the old SC, but they still have some talent there. It's so, Drake London, Drake London is pretty imposing. Yeah, it, it, I mean that's that's the guy for him this year. Yeah, he's six foot it's, five. That's a, a great name too. Drake London. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a solid name. They're going to I mean, his nickname should be uh, London Tower, right? Tower of London. I mean, he is six foot five. He is a tower. Yeah, he's got some meat on him, too. He's not like it's uh, <laughs> not like a Marvin Walker. No, uh, Marvin Walker. No, he's not a, uh, a slender fellow. Yeah, he's cut. So last one for me is this is. So give me two teams and Brendan, our, our Mac schools are, are out of the, uh, out of this equation. Give me two teams that you're going to really pay attention to this season. Besides, do we, but do we remove teams that Notre Dame plays? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do the caveat of that. Like, so outside of the purview of, of Notre Dame season. Okay. So um, my my yeah, answer is going to be kind of a dodge, which is I'm going to pay attention to whoever's above Notre Dame in the standings. So, you know, if it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, you know, somebody from the Pac-12, somebody from the from the Big 12 or whatever, I'll probably be tuning into their game or keeping a second screen going. Uh, I do like, to be honest with you, I, I like watching SEC football. I I find the you know, LSU, Alabama, you know, Alabama, Auburn, you know, Auburn, LSU sort of, you know, sort of trifecta to be always pretty good. Uh, I really like the LSU, Texas stuff that happened for a couple of years too. So, um, I'll probably watch, you know, more than my fair share and then looking forward to getting to pack 12 after dark back and, um, you know, and, and sort of getting weird with watching, you know, Oregon, Oregon and some Stanford late or Oregon and Cal or somebody like that, you know, in a game that's might mean something if they're, if they're ahead of Notre Dame. 
I just like college football. I watch a, I watch a ton of it. And oh yeah, I mean before yeah. Notre Dame, which is why I asked the question. Yeah, before Notre Dame's game comes on, I'll be like literally flipping along I'll, around the dial, being like, okay, is there a game on? Yes, right now. Like, can I watch some like, you know, Dartmouth Yale bullshit or something before you know before they, huh. we kick off something else? That's not bullshit. <laughs> Give me good. No, I just yeah, it's just not my first choice, you know. So. God, I miss PlayStation View so much. Used to get like four <laughs> four screens, I, so I could watch four games at a time, and then I could I, and then I could set up a second tablet next to me and get another four games. And it's just ah, oh, it's too bad. You know the season's coming up when you're bitching about no PlayStation View. Yeah, I miss it so much. I paid extra for like Longhorn Network and ESPN Goal Line, which was like the red zone version of the cal- for college football and like. I just was totally into it. Could not get I mean, enough. Get, All those like on. Fox sports, you know, I, Seattle's or I whatever. Have a, I have a 27 inch, you know, iMac and I could put like six games on this thing at once. Yeah. yeah normally, right. Well, I haven't watched a, uh, I haven't had a college football season in my new house and I don't have a two TV set up. I don't have a second mounted TV down in my basement. Just have one. The other one went into my office. So I have some time, but I'm I'm intimately intrigued what Oklahoma is going to be this season. I didn't watch I actually didn't watch a lot of all of the conferences. I probably watched the Big Twelve the least um last season. So I'm kind of interested to see Oklahoma is right now the odds on favorite, right? Cause Spencer Rattler and there's the, the hype train. And I, I'm kind of interested to see if they do fall on their face um, and kind of what that looks like. Um, and then the SEC is particularly intriguing to me, just the conference sort of as a whole. And I was kind of thinking about like who, who interested, I'm not particularly interested in Alabama, Um but like, is Georgia interesting to me? They return a lot of pieces. Um, you know, JT Daniels is now the starter, having taken over for them, and they kind of had a renaissance at the end of the year with JT Daniels. Um, Texas A and M is kind of a, a a sexy pick as well. Um, Florida State's, uh, or not Florida State, but Florida's turning over a lot of their all of their pass catchers and. Uh, um, quarterback and Kyle Trask, but Emory Jones is coming in and he's a running quarterback and they got a good, a lot of good running backs. And I'm interested to see how that kind of works. I just think the, in, because Alabama is recycling so much, I think the sec is going to be a very, um, very interesting just sort of as a whole this year. I don't know if you can, we all do, but I don't know if you can just pencil in Alabama this year. So I'm interested to see who that team in the SEC is that kind of like steps up. Is it Texas A&M? It does, you know, Jimbo get it done. Yeah, there's there's just too much intrigue. So I, I have to pick for my second one just the entire SEC because I think that they're going to far and away be the most interesting conference. What's funny is my, the two from the SEC that I'm most interested in are the two like that really have no impact. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt just out of Clark Lee. I'm just I'm just curious to see how that goes about, even though you know it's going to be like not good. Yeah. Um, 
but also uh, Tennessee. I am like infinitely intrigued by you just the want decline. that state. I just, yeah, I, Tennessee just like absolutely blows my blows me away. You know, maybe it's because of my age and remembering what Tennessee was for so many years and just like the absolute state that that program's in, like how many transfers went out? Like 21. Yeah. It's, it might even be more than that. It's, I'm very curious to see just how they end up trying to to get through the season. Like what that's going to look like. And if they're going to have any hope at all of, of ever, uh, you know, climbing their back way into respectability in the East. I, I don't know. Like Kentucky's a better shot right now than Tennessee. So, and I mean, Kentucky's been that way for, and they've had a few years yeah. to build up that equity. So, a couple teams here that I that I I've had thought about, and Penn State, and the the reason why is like. Penn State did not have a good 2020, no, at all. Like it was very bad. What are they? Were they two and three or? I don't know. They started the season one and four. I think yeah, they. Or no, no, no. They started their season zero and five, right? They were zero and five to start the to start the year, and I think they won their last four. I think that's how it went, right? They started 0 and 5, then they beat Michigan, and then they rattled off three more yeah, wins. Yeah, then they won the last four. Yeah, yeah, four, four and five. But here's the thing. Here's here's why I'm interested in fi- seeing what Penn State does. If Penn State has a a good year, a, a kind of like a, a comeback year, if you will, and you know just go through the schedule, they start off their season in Camp Randall against Wisconsin. Then they play Ball State, Auburn, Villanova, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, Michigan State. You know, that Auburn game in there is a gorgeous one. That's a bit. That's a game that no one's really – I don't hear a whole lot of people talk about. But that's like Auburn, Penn State, fuck, man. It, sign me up for that. That's that's a That sounds like a fun one to watch. But here's the thing. If, if Franklin has a good season, and we're talking – Nine ten wins. When's SC get a call? Right, like I am like to get Jimmy Jimmy Franks. I am. I don't think James Franklin is a good football coach. I think he's a hell of a recruiter, but I am pretty scared about James Franklin in LA recruiting for SC and being still being way more competent than Clay Hilton. Is he though? I think he is. I think he's, I think he's proved that he, that he's a better coach than Hilton. I just, I, his late game management against Ohio state back to back seasons is very Clay Hilton. Malfeasance is malfeasance. (laughs) He had Ohio state dead to rights two straight years and directly him. That him specifically but, made those mistakes. But let me ask you: Does a James Franklin out recruit a Clay Helton at yeah. SC? Is yeah. that hurt Notre Dame? Sure, because he'll take kids. Uh, you know, to yeah, CJ Williams come to Notre Dame. Right. So I think this season, 
in particular is a there's a big hinge because there's a lot of smoke about Franklin and SC, right? Like yeah, there was a lot. Maybe there a lot of smoke. I don't know how much fire there really is, but there's been a fair amount of smoke. So how SC and how Penn State does this season may tell you how the Notre Dame SC's you know rivalry is going to go over the next next five six years. So that intrigues me quite a bit. I don't, you know, I, I don't, you know, give me Clay Hilton forever in LA, <laughs> but I, I can't believe they didn't get rid of him already. Uh, but I got it. You have to think that that door, that that's, that's coming to a head pretty soon. It just, it blows me away. Like what, on the uh, cover three podcast, which by the way, if you are listening to the cover three podcast, uh, national podcast with, uh, Bud Elliott, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and, um, uh, was that Chip Patterson? It's a really good national podcast. They do a pretty good job. And they were talking, they had a question about which program would be the best if they were operating at all. So if everyone was operating at full, full strength, all cylinders, whatever it is, hundred percent like efficiency rate. And Bud jumped in right away with SC and Fridelli, that was, he thought he was going to have, that was his answer as well. Like SC is still a fucking spot that can be a massive power with a different coach. Then, you know, I mean, you could probably pick eight, nine different coaches in college football right now. that could go out there and that's a bare minimum and do a much better job than Elton. And so, that affects Notre Dame. And so I, I I am curious about those old James Franklin thing. That's that, that's a big one for me. So I'm going to be paying attention to Penn State season, uh, mainly for for just that. Um, and then, and, and this is cliche, but I am going to watch Iowa State just to fucking... Schadenfreude. Just, <laughs> just to be the biggest hater there was. Because I'm, I'm over it. I'm I'm oh, I'm done. Like I I'm love over good, you being over it. Yeah, I I love a good you know like I love a good story. I love a team that that outperforms what it should, uh, you know, in all that sense. But uh, I mean, enough is enough. Uh, the, you know, they can't beat Iowa. So why the I I. I I understand Brock Purdy is a is a decent quarterback and a and a okay and a fair NFL prospect, but enough's enough, and we'll find out early. I mean, we'll, they got they got they Iowa, Iowa. September eleventh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got Iowa. <laughs> well, Let's so do it. They got Iowa in in Ames. So, and Iowa's if they lose there, this year. it's not going to be a bad they, Iowa team. No, it's be like no, they're a legitimately good, maybe top fifteen. Iowa squad they got to play. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a good Iowa team. I'm not, sh- I think Iowa is always like a, a crapshoot, right? Yeah. Like how good are they really? The, it, they need some, they, you know, friends does things his way. And which is, you know, they win eight, nine, 10 ball games a year. And they also beat Iowa state. <laughs> he beat Iowa state. So if they get past, you know, if, if, if Iowa state can't get past Iowa, then, you know, shut the fuck up. 
I don't give a fuck what Iowa State does the rest of the way down. You know, and they don't play Texas and Oklahoma until November. So I don't know. I I I think it was Brendan. I don't think I watched a lot of Big Twelve football last year. Yeah, I I was thinking about that today. Some- just how very little of that conference I actually watched. Like I might have watched more Pac twelve. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think of the which is almost like a terrible thing to say. <laughs> but well, I, think I was so. I mean, the Big Twelve played almost the full season, so I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know how I got this giant hole in my college football repertoire, but there it was. You know, I just think the Big Twelve in general is could be. You talk about the SEC. I think the Big Twelve could be really interesting because everyone has Oklahoma penciled in with maybe like in Iowa State's. Kind of like trendy. Yeah. Yeah. The trendy pick. But I mean, Texas still has talent. And Texas yeah, and is as they have a new coach. coach. New coach. New coaches are like a lot of times with these big programs that are you could it, I, I don't know. I, I maybe it maybe it isn't so much. But I mean, we've seen it happen in a lot of places, right? Where new coach comes in, things are different, they're winning games that they have been dropping. I can see Texas having kind of a turnaround season this year. Um, and they could score a lot of fucking points. I mean, if Sarkeesian gets that offense rolling, they're could be scoring a lot of points. West Virginia is always interesting because, you know, they, what they're, you know, what they do. And I, I, West Virginia, I'll, I'll leave that conversation for another time. <laughs> the poor Mountaineers stuck in this fucking, this conference. It's, what a hellhole for them to have to do all that traveling. Uh, but I just, I just think there's some stuff going on in that conference that is interesting. Like maybe, maybe you still can pencil Oklahoma in as champions of that conference, but maybe it's enough to keep them out of that top four consideration at the end of the season. You know, is Gary Patterson going to get back to what he does at, at TCU? Uh, can we just watch Kansas and all bitch that they didn't hire uh, a triple option coach? Munkin or Niamatololo, somebody who runs the triple they option? They should have. They should have. Stupid. And hubris. It's uh, absolutely stupid. It is the hubris of the boosters to think that they deserve more than what than a triple option. It could bring you so much. Look, Paul Johnson had a nice run at Georgia Tech. Uh, early. It, it wasn't a great run, but do you think Kansas would trade their seasons in for what Georgia Tech had during the Paul Johnson did, era? Did Georgia Georgia Tech, did they win an ACC title? I know they went to a title game, but did they win an AC the 2014 team? I Did they win the ACC that year, or did they just win an Orange Bowl? Because I'm pretty because 2014 was the gold standard of Paul Johnson's Georgia Tech, because that's what led to that 2015 team being so hot hype. Right. They went so, 11 and three and they beat uh, Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl. No, they lost to Florida State. Yeah, duh, that was the 2014 Florida State team. Yeah, they they took yeah. that Florida State team was 35, 37. So that was like they almost uh, reached the highest of highs. Oh, right, it was that 14 season though that had 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 the hype for 15. Yeah, that's why we got. That's why we had um, uh, Bill Lewis 
working around the clock to stop the option. And it worked. It did. It did. Unfortunately, Drew Tranquil's knee was blown out that game. And then, God, how horrific. That was horrific. That's yeah. when Kelly decided uh, to cr- to advise a linebacker to cross-train how to stop the option, right? Yeah. Which has been a tradition ever Robbie since. Regan. I mean, well, t- I'll tell you what. It was that. It was that season, that fi- that game against Georgia Tech, where we really started to see, like, because because Bill Lewis was not on Notre Dame's coaching staff. Like, he wasn't an assistant. Co- he was an, he was a um, uh, analyst, and that would really was when it was. It started being more and more prevalent, or, or you know, across the country with some of the better teams that some of these that they're beefing up their analyst jobs. They were pouring more money into hiring people to be analysts. You know, like how many does Saban have of that? And just it was incredible. And so that was kind of a big thing. It's like, all right, we have this guy. He's his one job. We're paying him what 150, 200 grand a year to to just stop to to win this game. We paid Bill Lewis 200 grand to beat Georgia Tech and Navy. Why didn't our defensive coordinator figure it out? We had a former NFL defensive coordinator um, at the position. Why couldn't he have? They don't run, they don't run the option in the NFL. Oh, you don't think that that coordinator had any other sort of deficiencies that might otherwise not allow him to um, get his team in best position to tackle football players? No, I mean, think about once he left Notre Dame, how, how much he was scooped up. Well, he was yeah. scooped up as an analyst in lots of places. Uh, uh, maybe he had well, some PTSD, too, from the option at Georgia Southern when he trashed it. Yeah, and, that's right. And made, and made himself the most hated man in the world to Paul Johnson. I mean, Paul Johnson. So that Paul he Johnson. Away with it, like in the purge. Can, Paul Johnson can, would have murdered. People. Can you name Brian Van Gorder's current occupation? Um, rewatching, yeah, rewatching the, uh, Georgia tech Louisville game film when Paul Johnson dropped a 70 spot on him. <laughs> that's one of the, that's one of the, that was one of the most fun games to watch. Like of all, all the blowouts that could exist. That one was gorgeous. Yeah. I think, uh, BBG's a, a DC at a high school in Florida. He is. It's Alabama, yeah. but it's oh, Gulf yeah. Shores, Gulf Shores high school. It's actually it's actually a good high school. I mean, you got a you got Notre Dame's former defensive coordinator there. <laughs> I mean, the the Dolphins and, and, and Georgia and Auburn and Atlanta. <laughs> the There's a who, the head coach there. I think has some connections. I think they got a couple of yeah. His name is big, Mark Hudspeth. He was the head coach of Austin P in 2019. Okay. Yeah, there was some connections there. I'm surprised there's not more like Grand Valley guys there. Uh, okay. Well, I am like I said, we're we're going to be like diving into the season season here shortly, and I'm excited for this year. I am. There are enough question marks to make it interesting. And nationwide, there's there's enough question marks 
across the country to make it really interesting. Now just go back and go look at Google who, who got took in the NFL draft and then go back to the teams. And there's a, there's a lot of names there that need to get replaced. I mean, as it is every year, but you know, when you have got how many quarterbacks was it took in the, in the first round? One of them even went to the bears. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, like, you know, Ohio State's penciled in to win the Big Ten, right? Because they're Ohio State. But you still have it. Yeah, you still have a brand new quarterback. Who's? I mean, you don't who's know. Alabama's quarterback. Clemson's God. replacing their quarterback. I mean, DJU's pretty we good. We know who their quarterback is. We, um, Clemson has a quarterback who can't. Yeah, well. <laughs> can't do it. Talk that shit. It's okay. Like, I, I, I'll I, be so happy, like, six, seven years from now, when other fans can finally come around and, like, feel good that we beat the number one team in the country uh, in South Bend one night in 2020. Like, no, one, no one's given that enough credit in, in, in the fan base itself, even give it, give it the credit. If they're so fucking knocked down, awesome and recruiting like on all, then they should have been able to fill those fucking spots. You know, who wouldn't be able to give those same excuses? Notre Dame. No one would have gave a fuck and no one ever has Look back at the 2014 season. No one gave a shit. No one gave a shit about Jalen Smith. Losing his entire knee in the Fiesta Bowl. So go ahead. Feel good about it. You know what else I feel good about, gentlemen? Um, no, lay it on me. Breakfast. I love breakfast. What is it about breakfast that you love the most? I... <clears throat> Number one, I, I know because it's been ingrained in my brain uh, all of my childhood and, and into adulthood. That is the most important meal of the day. <laughs> it's actually false, but. How can it be false when it was what has been told to me my whole life? It uh, uh, turns out that it was a uh, conspiracy by uh, Big Grains. <laughs> in order to sell you more cereal, which is why the food pyramid has so much grains on the bottom. True. Uh, I don't know, man. I just there's there's more. There's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of varieties. There's a lot of different ways you can go about breakfast. Breakfast can be many different things, and as an adult, I can appreciate breakfast being ate by myself. And not around, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think uh, there aren't a whole lot of breakfasts and maybe this is a bad thing. I don't know. I look at it as a good thing, but there aren't a whole lot of breakfasts where our entire family sits down and eats breakfast together. We don't do the 1950s thing. Oh, we do that. It is a real, uh, it's like uh, breaking bad in our house. Um, and Sam's like Walt Jr. He's just got to have that breakfast every morning. Well, Ryan gets up before everybody else, and so and he's already had like two breakfasts. I don't think he's heard about so. breakfast pit. 
Yeah, yeah, he's all about it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's hit or like. I man, I could not tell you the last time we've all sat down for like a breakfast in our house. Now we've gone out for breakfast, like you know you, you know before mass or after mass or and stuff like that. But and then after is more lunch, I guess. But I don't know. I just I love breakfast. So tonight I want your top five breakfast foods, and I want a true top five. I don't want a whole lot of throwing around here. Jude, do you want the honors to go first? If not, uh, I can. Yeah, why don't you go first? All right, so um, so if I just say, I mean, most mornings I, I just drink black coffee. Um, but if I'm picking breakfast foods, uh, number five, hash. It can be corned beef hash. It can be sausage hash. It can be any kind of hash. It is the superior way to eat potatoes on a breakfast morning. Um, number four is a lox bagel and it's got to be loaded up with those capers on top. Um, you know, with the smoked salmon and the, the creme cheese and the red onions. So good. Tomato, uh, number three, avocado toast on a sourdough <laughs> bread. Uh, I am a, uh, millennial, uh, 30, 36. Yeah. Um, number two, um, an un, an untoasted, Salt bagel. Well, my, my salt bagel is salty as possible. Um, not adorned with anything like butter or jellies or jams, anything. I just want salt. Uh, and number one is uh, bacon and not crunchy bacon. I don't like my bacon to splinter like uh, candied glass or, um, you know, hard candy. You like yours uh, chewy? I don't want it chewy. I, I like it firm. So if I hold on to it, it it slowly wilts, but that so when I chew on it, it's it, there's like a firmness to it. It's it's tough to get. I found that co- I cook my bacon in the oven now because I'm able to. I put it on a sheep tray, and right. um, you know I put it in there at 375 for 15 minutes. So you're you're not a better. you're not a microwaver. I'm not a microwaver. No, I like a nice thick okay. cut bacon that's got some uh, some chew to it. And that's my one through five. I guess five through one. Okay. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Okay. I uh, I grew up in New Jersey, so my number five is uh, Taylor Ham egg and cheese. Um, some people call it pork roll, if you prefer, but uh, it's uh, made by the Taylor Company. Um, salt, pepper, ketchup, probably going to throw on there too. I haven't had one in probably 20 years, and I still think about it. I think I dream about it, to be honest with you. So, um, number four, um, my wife has a has a weird hang up about pancakes. She just doesn't believe in herself that she can make them. And uh, my kids, my kids always ask for pancakes. So, pancakes have sort of become the daddy thing. So, I actually. I look forward to making my kids pancakes because literally my only other meal that I make for this family is like meatloaf. <laughs> I mean, unless you want me to microwave something stupid, you know, obviously I can do that or stick something into an oven that's pre-cooked. But, um, so, um, I, I really like pancakes. I, I prefer plain pancakes, but my kids like them with chocolate chips and blueberries and all sorts of interesting things in them. So 
I just uh, I like pancakes and I like fake syrup. Even though I live in upstate New York and everyone here eats real maple syrup coming out of the maple tree, I just uh, I just I grew up with the fake stuff and I I still like the fake stuff. So yeah, I'm, I guess I'm more of a fake stuff guy too. Um, I pretty much eat one cereal and one cereal only every morning for breakfast. It's called Fiber One uh, Honey Cluster Cereal. It's because I am <laughs> indeed every one of my <laughs> 41 years of age. Uh, there's nothing more satisfying than eating a big bowl of Fiber One and then taking the world's funnest dump about 8:30. So <laughs> if you have any digestion problems, uh. I would definitely recommend getting thirty percent, thirty-six percent of your daily value value of fiber, uh, just in one bowl of cereal. So it's actually really tasty too. Um, you know, not as uh, I, I grew up with the cereal called Nut Honey Crunch. So they don't really sell anymore. Um, it's not not as good as that, but uh, it's still pretty good for something that has the word fiber as its first word. Um, my go-to meal at McDonald's is a. Uh, a bacon bacon egg and cheese biscuit with a uh, medium strawberry banana smoothie. Sometimes when I'm feeling uh, a little fat or a little, uh, you know, just in need of a treat, I go, uh, I go there and, and get one of those. I've had bacon, egg and cheese biscuits from McDonald's probably for 35 years. And I know it's terrible for me, but I don't fucking care. Um, and speaking of ca- terrible, uh, the day that I discovered the breakfast crunch wrap combo from Taco Bell was probably the worst day of my life because I probably ate that thing twice a week for months and easily gained 15 pounds. It's um, hash brown, egg, uh, ch- ch- nacho cheese, <laughs> bacon. Um, they come with little Cinnabons with like a little filling on the inside, on the side. Uh, I usually got an orange juice with it. It's like a thousand calories to start your day. It's the stupidest thing you could ever put in your mouth, but and you I, were doing it religiously. But to be honest with you, I, I think about getting one once a week and I just, I'm always so proud of myself when I like, I don't go there. So yeah, <laughs> I miss it. I miss it terribly, but I don't miss the, I don't miss the, uh, what it was doing to my waistline. So they're in my top five. Okay. And I didn't ask you guys, do you, do you enjoy – maybe this is just a me thing, which I've, I guess I kind of already said. Do you enjoy like going to a breakfast diner and like by yourself? Like being able to sit down I – mean, it used to be the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, now I guess it's just scrolling through your phone. But sit down and have breakfast by yourself and kind of like get your day started that way. Like there's nothing that I enjoy more as a dining experience than just like – breakfast at a, at some diner, whatever it may be by myself, being able to just like read the paper and come to. I've never done it. Well, Oh my God. I've never done I, it. I don't know. That, I don't see. The thing is I don't like eating alone. That's not my jam. Um, Nobody wants to eat Applebee's alone. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty social person. Um, I will say that once a year, we go to Albany for a conference related to work and state capital, nothing related to brag about, but um, they have a guy who just sits there and makes omelets for you. And so that's all, that's the one time a year I get omelets and I'm down there early so that I can get See, my, I don't, I don't omelet. like, I don't like that argument that you're a social person. I'm a very social person. 
And so here, here is the, here's the trick here. When you dine by yourself, and not just for breakfast, like I, I will go out and have a very nice dinner somewhere by myself. I ended up, and I did this a lot, especially in my early twenties, like friends didn't want to go out that night or whatever, or whatever the fuck it was. I go have like a nice dinner by myself. You end up meeting people, whether it's the waitress or the bartender or the table next to you or whatever the fuck it is. Cause maybe it looks a little odd. Like it's, you know, six 30 on a Friday and you're in, you know, <laughs> you're in Casas and you're eating, uh, you know, veal parmesan by yourself. I don't know, but I've always found it's, it's very sociable because it leaves you open where people want to talk to you. Cause they're like, well, he's not, you know, they're not, we're not bothering him cause he's not with anybody. Anyways, I find it very sociable. Uh, I, I can't talk my wife into doing it. Like when she's shopping and for, and, and all that. And she's talking about getting lunch. And I'm like, well, just go in and out. I don't want to eat by myself. Why? It's great. You'll love it. I highly recommend, highly recommend. Uh, all right. My top five, number five grits. And you could do anything with grits. Grits can be whatever it is that you want to make it. Maybe you want to put some cheese in there, just some butter. Maybe you want to throw some jelly in there, some honey or some syrup. There's all sorts of shit you can do with grits. And it's fantastic. It's a nice hot bowl of grits, uh, in the wintertime and fall. It's fantastic. Standalone or, or, you know, with some other stuff. Uh, number four, bacon. I don't have to explain it. Everyone loves bacon. (laughs) It's in my top five. Uh, number three, business and gravy which I made for dinner tonight. That was, that's how much I love breakfast food. I had a, we had breakfast. Do you guys do breakfast dinner? In okay. Your house yes. at all? Yep. Yeah. Cause it's the greatest, right? It's like, it's quick. It's quicker. The kids don't complain. Cause it's not, it's great. I'm glad I mean, we, I grew up that way. And it's felt like, like nobody else ever had breakfast dinner. Like, are you kidding me? It's like, <laughs> it's like the best dinner. Um, so yeah, biscuit and gravy, man. I I make a pretty good, I make a pretty good sausage gravy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, it's pretty simple. So if if you're afraid of, like, the simplest way to make sausage gravy is cook up your sausage, put in a third a cup of flour. Do not drain that oil. Do not at all. The flour, soak it up. Third a cup of oil, four cups of milk. Throw some pepper in there, a little salt. And then you just let it simmer until it thickens up. That it's end of story. It's that simple. Don't be afraid to make sausage gravy. Um, number two, I mean, just eggs over easy and toast. I mean, there's just the, the classic. I mean, it's just the classic little dippy eggs, whatever you want to call them. It's just, just there's nothing better um, except for my number one, maybe. Uh, but it's it is the class of breakfast is the go to pretty much always, uh, and then my number one is steak. Now, yeah, steak and eggs, but like not the bullshit steak that you get when you go somewhere and you say like, yeah, steak and eggs, and they bring out this fucking three ounce piece of yeah, uh, it's it's terrible. It's it's there. It's yeah, it's sirloin maybe, uh, but it's not. But you're at home. You got what I like to do is. is you know, if, if I make steak the night before, 
on the grill or, and I actually prefer to pan fry and, and broil, uh, you know, I'll make an extra one. So that way I have one for breakfast the next morning. And that way you have a delicious steak to go along with, you know, maybe a couple of, couple of eggs over easy. And it's fantastic. Just dip it all up in the goodiness. It's good. You don't need a big, you know, 10 or 12 ounce, 12 ounce cut, maybe six to eight ounce. We'll do. So your smaller steak that you got in your, in your pack, that's the one that you cooked the night before. Throw in the microwave, heat that batch up. You're good to go. And that's my top five. Breakfast nice. is good. My son loves bacon. We we can we'll easily make two pounds of bacon just to satiate his desire for bacon. Bacon's my great. kids love fake syrup. So <laughs> they will douse their eggs. They'll, they'll douse everything in syrup. I can't get them to stop. But the <laughs> I think every once in a while, Carrie will get on like this crazy health craze and she'll go out and buy like an $8 bottle of real maple syrup or something. And it'll sit there because the kids won't touch it. I won't touch it. I know all the food nerds out there are probably like, Oh, I can't believe that so much. I, I, I get that you believe that, <laughs> but when you like for me personally, you grow up poor as shit. You get the, the 50 cent bottle of, of whatever the fuck store brand <laughs> syrup. And that's it. Shit. We used to have, sometimes all we had was like, uh, was that Caro syrup? But I've had that on pancakes before growing up. I don't recommend, but <laughs> it was, what, it, it was what was in the, in the pantry when you went to go, uh, you know, eat. I, people knock, uh, and people knock like, uh, fr- frozen. Well, I love frozen waffles. Love them. I know they're like cardboard. That's part my, of my, that's part of that's part of my love for that. Sam, my son like, Sam is four years old. He wakes up every morning, and the first thing he does is he gets dressed. He immediately throws off his PJs, gets dressed, goes downstairs, opens up the freezer, pulls out a frozen uh, brown sugar and cinnamon Eggo waffle and eats it frozen. Frozen. Yeah, Dylan does the same thing. Just grabs a frozen waffle and just. Just eats it, then comes upstairs and says, "Wins breakfast." And I'm like, "What the hell?" <laughs> do they do this? Do you ever get the uh, those uh, the uh, uncrustables? Yeah, the also frozen. Yes, Dilla. So our freezer downstairs, down in the basement, there's like a trail. Like if you don't go down there for a couple of days, there'll be a trail of those packages from the freezer <laughs> up the stairs, from Dylan going down there and just helping himself to it. It's like, what are you doing? Like, these are frozen. I like them like that. Especially like the Nutella flavored ones. It's like ice cream to them. It's incredible. All right. Well, we come to the end. Jude, you got anything to go out on? Yeah, it just happened. Uh, although when you guys hear this, it'll be several hours past. Um, Yard Nagus, who's a senior at uh, at Notre Dame, just uh, qualified for the Olympics by finishing third in the fifteen hundred men's fifteen hundred meter meter Olympic trials with a time of three minutes thirty six seconds. Three minutes and thirty six seconds. So congratulations to Yared, and um, that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. He's going Greg to Tokyo. be happy about the track talk. Yeah, we did it. We did track. Maybe Yared. 
Maybe I'm saying it wrong. I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. Yared? Yared. Nope, Jude, you nailed it. I uh, did it? Okay, cool. I think I'll go with it, yeah. I would just always say that you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Brendan, what do you got left in the tank? Uh, I don't have anything left in the tank. I'm just excited that uh, Jude nailed the pronunciation. <laughs> I don't know if you did or not. Well, I was recording with you guys, so I didn't get to watch the uh, the thing live. So I'll have to see how the guys on NBC pronounce it. Nothing like nothing quite like running at twelve forty in the morning for the Olympic to make the Olympics, right? <laughs> right. And I mean, obviously they're out on the West Coast, but I would like to point out that um, it was no longer than probably uh, fourteen years ago. Then if you had said, I'm going to listen to how the guys on NBC pronounce it to get the pronunciation, <laughs> a lot of Saturdays you would have got some wrong pronunciation. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> some pretty bad ones at that. Ugh. Uh, yeah. And the, and the, <laughs> speaking of Greg, he did tweet out about Sidney McLaughlin, world record in the 400 hurdles. Incredible effort. <laughs> so Greg's totally locked into the track tonight. Definitely tracks. Uh, yeah, yeah. So no, congratulations. How did you pronounce it? New geese. I thought it was new goose. New goose. Yeah, because I, I believe they call him the goose. I mean, there's all sorts of Top Gun shit we could do with this. Oh. Oh uh, well, I don't believe I have a whole lot to go out on. I was uh, watching the College World Series. Uh, just rocking my home field gear for, for Texas to watch them go out, uh, <laughs> put it, put it on the Vandy as the villains, uh, cause of the uh, whole NC state, NC state thing, which now has the entire uh, college baseball world. Like Vandy is like playing straight villain role. They were going to anyways, but now it's like magnified, uh, times a thousand. So I just, I find that fun. Um, I have a, a newfound hatred for Mississippi state. So, uh, I, the super regional just brought a whole lot of, uh, feelings I'd never had before out. And so that's fun. Um, but that's about it. Look, I'm going on vacation. Like I s- might've said earlier, I mean, if I didn't, uh, so the site little lean, but we're going to have, we'll have stuff all week long. Um, and then we're going to come back with the podcast in July and really start, knocking the season out. I am super excited. I can't, I don't have the words. Uh, and so I won't even try to have the words cause we are damn near the end of this podcast. Just remember to get on over to Apple podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Uh, just remember, you know, we're just a cut. We're just a few guys just hanging out. We're, we're, we're only like the, the number two college football podcast on the SB nation network. So you know I mean? <laughs> go us. We know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Uh, but whatever uh, review that you do leave, uh, we will read on the next OFT podcast. Be a part of the show. Uh, come come get all this energy and be a part of it. And that's it. So for Jude and for Brendan, have a good night. And as always, go Irish. <laughs> <laughs>